you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, face. I think I earned the right to go on the internet and see that guy get a chainsaw in the face. Dude, my dad was drunk and my mom was dealing with it. Guess what? I get raised by Cookie Monster. My cock looks like it's been in a hockey fight. Time my stupidity. It's at the speed of goddamn light. I got a bunch of blocks. Hey, what's happening, Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. How you doing, folks? Good? I hope. I hope your week is starting well. Starting on Thursday. I don't know why your week would be starting on Thursday. I mean, I'm recording this on Tuesday, but I'm certainly hoping that you started your week well today when I recorded this, and now it's Thursday, so hopefully your week has gone well in progress. Jesus Christ, I'm doing this 11 years. I'm doing this. You would think after 11 years, I would know not to ask silly questions like that. I should be evergreen. I should just be like, how is your... Well, I was going to say September going, but if you listen to this in October, then you're just like, fuck, my September was over. How about, let's do this. How about we do it this way? How is this moment in your life going? Can we talk about that? And by talk about, I mean, I'll talk about it and you sit there and listen, plug me into your iPod vagina and throw me down your fucking ear throat. Uh, I hope you're good is my point. I hope you're doing well. I hope everything's going well. I worry, folks. I, I don't only worry about you. I worry about me. I worry about us. I worry about a lot of things, man. Uh, I shouldn't probably, I worry about, I worry, I worry whether the fan is bothering you in the background. I worry if you can hear that and I'm, I'm worrying whether I should turn it off and I'm worrying if I do that, will sweat drip on the microphone. Who knows, man, we're surrounded by all these different things, but I do worry folks. I worry about you. I worry about me. I worry about us. Uh, I worry that you're okay. I hope you're good. Uh, you know, I know most of you personally. Most of you. That seems like a stretch. <laughs> I've not been to England or Saudi Arabia or Norway or Sweden to meet all the people I know who are from over there who contact me. But uh, I feel like I know you anyway. I've never been down under to Australia to find an Anthony or a Stuart who also contacts me from Australia. That's right. I know two guys from there, name-wise anyway. Uh, but, but I, you know, I, I hope you're okay is my point. <laughs> and, and this whole thing is prefaced. Uh, it sounds like I'm prefacing. I'm about to tell you I'm not okay. And that's incorrect. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, but I do worry about some things. Like I said, I worry about you individually and I hope that you're doing well, your families, everything you love, your children. I've started signing emails back when I write people. I'm like, I hope you and everyone you love are happy and healthy. I think that's a nice thing to say to people. I think because it's totally true. I do hope that you're happy and healthy. I, I, you know what I'll also include in there a lot of the times? Warm. I dropped it for the summer. Uh, but I, now I, I'll always say, hey, I hope that uh, you and everyone you love are happy, healthy. I hope you are happy, healthy, and warm. I hope you and everyone you love are happy, healthy, and warm. I think that's a nice sentiment. I think that's all we can hope for. I think we should all, well, it's not all we can hope for, but that's the bare minimum we should all want. Happy, healthy, warm. Uh, but I dropped warm for the summer because that just seemed redundant at that point. Because what if you're sweating your balls off with no air conditioning somewhere in a brick house with Lionel Richie and the rest of the Commodores? Then yeah, that's not going to go well for anybody if I wish you to be fucking warm there because certainly you're sweating. Lionel's got all his activator and his fucking, his total, he's trying to pop up his fucking uh, afro and it's not. It's falling into his eyes. So his afro becomes a jerry curl before your very eyes, sweltering in the Cincinnati heat. And I mentioned the Cincinnati heat because I was there this summer and holy macaroni was it humid. And I talked about that at several shows. <laughs> that's, a, that's a theme of this show. How humid is it in Cincinnati? That's a new podcast I'm coming up with. How humid is it in Cincinnati with your friend Mike Schmidt? Hi, I'm not Tom Skilling, but I'll be happy to talk about humidity and watery air or airy water. 
or whatever you want to call that stuff in the in the atmosphere that when you suck it into your lungs feels like you're dry drowning. Uh, a dry drunk who's dry drowning. That's me, folks. When it's humid, when it's 100% humidity out there and I'm sucking it in, I'm a dry drunk who's dry drowning in the uh, humidity that's surrounding him all over the goddamn place. Folks, I worry. I worry about you. I worry about me. I worry about us together. Here's what I worry about mainly. Well, you know, I worry about a lot of things. You hear the show, you know, I'm a little bit of a basket case. I worry about, like I said, I worry about whether the the fan is intruding. I worry about uh, whether I'm good enough as we all do. I'm sure you have those thoughts uh, with your, when it's dark and quiet, we've talked about that many times. Uh, I worry that this show is becoming something I didn't want it to become. And, uh, and this isn't a state of the union or anything like that. But now that I think about it, I've been worried about this for a while. Uh, and this is no fault of yours. This is strictly the fucking chocolate factory I've got inside my skull that's spinning around. I've got an Augustus Gloop jammed into my fucking chocolate pipe, and he's not letting me uh, get all the good stuff that I need to get out of the confectionery river, the, the chocolate river, for fuck's sake. Needs to flow into my medulla and fucking tell me that I'm okay, that I'm good, that we're fine. But I worry. Uh, because it seems like this show is turning into a bit of an Uber show. And I've talked about this before. I think I've covered it uh, on other uh, episodes where I've talked about this and, and I don't, you know, I don't want it to be that, uh, you know, the show's about my life and, and granted my life is, as I've mentioned, has become smaller. We've covered this a few times. I feel like I'm, I'm treading on, on familiar ground here. And I, I, I worry about that. I worry about the fact that I may be repeating myself because I'm old and foggy. I'm just, I'm, I'm so old and foggy. I half expect the Boston Strangler to leap out of my throat. That's how old and foggy I am. I half expect Jack the Ripper to come leaping out and kill a prostitute. He may leap right out of my esophagus and strangle a young lady of the night. Who knows? That's how, that's how old and foggy I am on the inside. Uh, I worry because I don't want to chase you guys away by constantly telling you, we've talked about this before and here's, here's the main thing. Uh, Doing a comedy show, a national comedy show, an international comedy show, and telling you all about my day job is, to me, in my tiny brain, uh, a mistake, a misstep, a misnomer, a miscongeniality, if you will, <laughs> anything else with a miss in it. Uh, because it seems to me that that I'm just telling you then that you shouldn't invest in me because I'm not really this. I'm not a broadcaster. I'm not a comedian. And these are just the small battles that I have inside myself. And, I, and I'm bringing them to you right now as we speak. Uh, and as we speak, I hope you're not speaking over me. What if you were? What if you have an argument with me? Are you talking to my disembodied voice? You're going back and forth. You're pointing at the fucking uh, iPod and yelling at me. I hope you are. I hope you're actively engaged. I want you to be. I want you to go ahead and step right up. Uh, apparently, because I'm a carnival barker. Hi, how are you? By the way, I am doing this show in a straw hat and a striped jacket. And I have a cane that I'm, I, well, that was my fist. Of course, you knew that. A cane would make a better noise, and I didn't have anything to use as a cane. How about that? That might be a cane. Could be. Use your imagination. Use your theater of the mind, folks, and make that a cane, please. Make that a Lorenzo cane. Make that a Sutter cane. Oh, do you read Sutter cane? Uh, <laughs> so I, I just, uh, and it's the battle inside me where I think to myself, you know, if I'm constantly telling you guys... Uh, about my adventures with Uber, eventually you're going to be like, well, you're an Uber driver who does a comedy show. And it's that that misnomer. I've talked about that before where Doug Stanhope is like, hey, man, he never tells anybody what he does when he would do the road a million, you know, a million years ago because he'd say he was a comedian and everybody go, oh, really? My mailman's a comedian. He'd be like, no, he's a fucking mailman. I am a comedian. I'm in town to get paid for it. Um, and that's one of the things I, I 
you know, I keep to myself. I've, as I've, in the Uber car, I really have to be in a conversation with somebody where it will make sense to bring it up. Because I, I don't tell anybody. Because I just, dudes, I have been behind so many Ubers and Lyfts with fucking disco balls and people fucking partying and everybody's all happy. And they got, you know, like I said, guys have fucking soft serve machines and bullshit and they're trying to work for $4 worth of goddamn tips. And I'm, I just, you know, uh, I'm not, I, look, I, I do a good job. You know what I mean? But I don't, I'm not, I'm not that. I don't want to be that dude. Uh, I don't want to be an Uber and Lyft driver masquerade as some, masquerading as, as something else. And, uh, and so this is, look, I'm totally verbalizing a midlife crisis nonsense thing with you here. And, and, but it's relevant because here's why I I've had these thoughts for a very long time and I've had them throughout the years. I had them when I would do like Graveyardville. I had them when I would do, uh, you know, barbecue when I was Travis barbecue. Um, and I, I worried whether these were, you know, things that would turn you off or put you off to me going, oh, well, Mike's not a comedian. He's, he's a barbecue guy who happens to be kind of funny. Uh, and I know that's just dumb because I've also written on television shows and all, and all sorts of nonsense. But, but that stuff can creep in. As I've mentioned, the fog. I'm very foggy on the inside, folks. Once that fog takes over, uh, as we all know, there's a lot of pirates in there with hooks for hands and a lot of longshoremen that will take you out, according to Stephen King. I can't, I can't deal with the fog right now. But the fog will get in there, and the fog will tell you that you're making a mistake, and the fog will tell you you're not good enough, and the fog will tell you that, uh, you know, maybe maybe you're better off being an Uber driver who just does this once a week, and and then because also I don't want it to look like that's this is the only thing I can talk about. I mean, look, I can talk about topical stuff, I can talk about politics, I mean, and and sports, and but then what am I doing? A morning zoo show? Who am I? Fucking turd. Uh, that was a guy in Chicago who was on a morning zoo show. Man, Cal Muller had a sidekick named Turd, and like I I just to me I don't even know. That guy had to have a real name at some point, and he's probably still trying to be a broadcaster somewhere, but is he now, like, Nate? You know what I mean? And he, on his resume, he turns it in, and he's like, hi, I'm I'm Nate Johnson. And they're like, weren't you turd? He's like, no, well, I, yeah, it's on my resume there. Oh, really? You actually put the word turd on a resume. Thank you for coming in. There's the door. <laughs> I, I flushed that motherfucker out of my office all the goddamn time. Um... So that's what I'm saying. I don't, I, I you know, I, this story's, this show's about my life. So this is the way I rectified it in my head. I go, this show's about my life and my life is now, uh, you know, in, in addition to rebirth, which we're doing a lot of within the apartment and trying to get things done. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later, but the Uber stuff, you know, I mean, I drive pretty hardcore because that's a way to fill in the gaps and make some money. And, and, uh, and, you know, as we've talked about before, I, I just, I feel like I've covered this ground and I, I don't want to be that guy, but you know the fans on so what the hell we got to talk <laughs> once the fan comes on we got to have a conversation uh but you know i don't uh i i don't want it to turn into you know i i'm proud i'm proud of myself i fuck this i'm proud of myself i'm proud that i have uh you know since karen left and i've i've lived here in in five for five years and i've supported myself in los angeles with the help of you guys with comedy and then anything else i needed to do to fill in the gaps and that's what you need to fucking do that's that's how you need to look at it and that was brought home to me this week in sharp relief because i don't know if you saw the story uh i'm sure you did because it went all over the goddamn place although some of you people are smart and you stay off social media there was a story about a guy named jeffrey owens jeffrey owens is an actor and uh, he was on the Cosby show and he wasn't just on the Cosby show. He was on the Cosby show for seven years and he was somebody's fiance on there. Possibly Lisa Bonet's, possibly Felicia Rashad's, possibly Rudy's. I don't know. I, I never I literally I've only watched one episode of the Cosby show in my entire life. And it was an episode where 
Theo wanted a Gordon Gartrell shirt, and then Lisa Bonet's like, I can totally make you that shirt. And then she made him this, like, green pepper burger Eddie Murphy welfare shirt. Like, it was just terrible. And he's like, that's not a Gordon Gartrell. Uh, but then, of course, he wore it to school, and if I remember correctly, people either made fun of it, and he's like, yeah, my sister made it, and that was the lesson you learned that week. Uh, and then, you know, Dr. Hoxville came around, and he passed out his special pills, and, and everybody else woke up in their sh- with different shirts on. Everybody traded shirts in their fog. Speaking of fog, Cosby showed up, spread his Cosby Hoxtable fog all over everybody, and everybody else woke up in knockoff Gartrell shirts. And, uh, and Cosby just, he just rubbed his hands together, and he walked off into the night. So uh, Jeffrey Owens was a he was a character on the uh, the Cosby Show. So he was he was engaged to one of the ladies on there. I'm assuming they didn't have any gay marriage on the Cosby Show. Uh, and and this dude he worked as an actor there. Well, apparently last week in New York or you know five days ago or something, he was he works at a Trader Joe's. I think he works in New York. I didn't again. I didn't fucking do full on study into the goddamn story. He works at Trader Joe's. He could so it could be anywhere. He could, he could work here. He could work a mile from my goddamn house at my Trader Joe's. I have no idea. But he was bagging groceries and he had a fucking name tag on and and a uh, someone was like, "Whoa, that's the dude from the Cosby Show." And they took a picture of him and they put it on social media. And then uh, as social media is wont to do, which. If you are involved in social media, you understand. If you're not involved in social media, you won't get this. But uh, but trust me, this is what social media is. Uh, people saw that and laughed. Ha ha! Look at that dummy from the Cosby Show putting bread in a bag. Ha ha ha! Stupid. Because the world exists to make fun of other people and tear them down. I'm I'm fully convinced of that, and we've known that forever, our whole lives. You would you would like to think there were uplifting stories, and there are certainly individually, but I think collectively, en masse, the hive mind loves to have somebody they can tear off their pedestal. And I got news for you: Jeffrey Owens isn't even on a fucking pedestal. Jeffrey Owens is on the Cosby Show for seven years, and he's somebody's fiance. It's not like you know we already did, look. We we took the guy who needed to be torn off the pedestal from that show. Okay, that that show is clearly pedestal free at this point, and good for it, and good for us. We wound up nabbing the guy who was in charge of fucking up the pedestals over there. But Jeffrey Owens was just he was a he was a cast member for seven years, and and so people somehow assumed because they're told that Hollywood is a terrible place, and Hollywood is where dreams come true, and Hollywood is where you make big money. I mean, I felt victim to that myself when I came to town. You know, I was told that you got a national commercial that paid for your year. Like, all you had to do was get one national commercial, and you didn't have to work for a year. Like, it covered your expenses for the year, and then you just kind of you got to pursue other jobs. And I found out very quickly, in a bucket of Dave, David Spade-held cold water, that that was not the case. Uh, you know, you get a national commercial, and you do make money. And I should tell you, I'm really learning about the money I made, because I'm... Uh, in rebirth, I'm sorting through a bunch of boxes here at my house, and I'm looking through, and I'm looking at all sorts of uh, documents. And here's the thing I found, folks. I found every fucking check stub I ever made. Uh, I found every check stub from from my FedEx commercial and from my fucking David Spade commercial and from basketball. I, f- I found all of these, man. And in my head, I'm like, should I save these? I want to save these. But I, instead, I'm forcing myself to throw them away. I saved the first one from every job. Uh, and then, and then the rest I'm tossing cause it doesn't make any sense, but boy, did I make a lot of fucking money? I'll tell you that. I will say this, I, you know, when I say a lot of money, I mean, relative to what I'm doing now, like I, I can remember those days. I forgot about those days. I forgot about those days when you would go to the mailbox and there would be a check for $600. And then maybe the next week there was a check for $11, but then maybe the next week there was a check because in Japan they showed the commercial a few times and you made $214. It was just one of those things where you never knew exactly what you were going to make, and it was fucking great. I mean, in America you did because there was this uh, showing 1, showing 2 through 13, showing 14 through 40. Like, you made a certain amount for each time it was shown. 
Uh, and I'm looking at these checks and I'm just laughing. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I mean, and, and, but I'll tell you what, it made me even more fucking proud. It made me proud. I mean, it didn't make me proud of the fact that I've now wound up here. I mean, I love talking to you guys, but you know what I mean? I, I, I wound up fucking driving Uber, but at the same time, it made me proud in that, uh, you know, I did that. You can't take that away from me. And that's got to be how Jeffrey Owens feels. He did that. He did the Cosby show and you can't take it away from him. And you got to figure there's a series regular for seven years. I don't think he was on every episode. I have no idea. But he probably made, I'm going to guess, over seven years. You figure 20 to 25 episodes a year. He might have been in half of those, so 10. He probably made 10 grand an episode back then in the 80s. And that's light, by the way. He might have made more than that. So you figure he made 100 grand a year for seven years. That guy made $700,000 probably off the Cosby show. And that's not counting residuals and everything else. He did well. He did good. And people making fun of him for trying to make ends meet now can go drive off a fucking cliff. Solo, by the way. Don't bring a Louise with you. Just be a Thelma. Just go be a... a, You're a Thelma without a Louise. Just drive a fucking convertible right off the goddamn cliff. And you don't even get to fuck Brad Pitt because you're a sourpuss, man. Nobody fucking gets to be rewarded by being a sourpuss. How do you shit on this fucking guy? You know, he was an actor. He tried. He did everything he could. And not a tried. He achieved. He achieved for a long time. And also, here's the thing. Here's the, the, the dirty little secret. You know what happens? Sometimes you come to town and you immediately get a job at a movie. And you work in a movie for three weeks, and then you end up getting a commercial with David Spade. And then in the next two months, you also get another commercial for FedEx because a director saw you and he requested you personally to audition. Then they fly into New York to do that commercial. Uh, In the interval, you also do a commercial for something called OnHealth.com that you've completely forgotten about, but you didn't remember until you found the check stubs in the box that you just went through. So you do three national commercials in the span of like seven months along with a movie. And you think to yourself, well, Jesus, this is never going to stop. And then... You wind up getting a writing job. Then you get another writing job. And instead of hustling, you go, well, I'm just going to get writing jobs from now on. And then that second writing job ends. And then guess what happens? Nothing, man. Nothing. You're lucky because you're still doing a podcast at the time that's doing well. But then you get whacked from that. And then you move out for a fucking year. And you're like, what the fuck am I going to do with myself? And then you start your own podcast. And thankfully, you have aptitude for it. And people step on board and they stick with you. And 11 years later, here I am talking to you. But if you saw me drive an Uber or Lyft, you'd just be like, who the fuck is this schmuck? Well, who am I? I've been, I've been in a fucking movie with Matt and Trey Parker. I was, I was in a commercial with David Spade. I was personally selected by a fucking director to come and be, because they could have cast people in New York, but he fucking told them, I want Mike Schmidt. He picked me out and fucking had me audition. He just put me on tape here in LA. The next day he goes, yeah, that's my guy. So they fly me to fucking New York to film a commercial. They could have felt that so that you know what that means. I beat out all the fucking actors in New York and I beat all the actors in L.A. I was I was the best on both coasts for that fucking role. But now you see me driving Uber and Lyft and what you make fun of me. What you think I'm nothing. You think I'm less. You think I'm less than. Well, you know who gets to think that way? Me. You know who does think that way? Sometimes me. You know who needs to stop thinking that way? Me. And you know who's being helped in that direction by Jeffrey Owens? Me. Because there's no reason. Jeffrey Owens said he he. You know, he went viral, of course, and people made fun of it. But the thing that really got me, like seeing, look, seeing it made me angry because I couldn't understand why they're giving this guy a hard time because nobody understands the dynamics of the business. It's like when people get mad at athletes, you know, when athletes want more money or they hold out. It's like, dude, their career is going to last five years. And then they've got 70 more years on the planet to try to earn a living and make something of themselves. That's why I've told you before, I will never make fun of Cheap Trick or those bands. I don't make fun of them because that's what I do, but I won't make fun of them for their, for their pursuit because their job is rock star. Cheap Trick might be playing the Rib Fest. Cheap Trick might be playing on a fucking barge in international waters for a Kuwaiti chic. You know, fucking I, the Rolling Stones did a private show for the guy who owns the New England Patriots. I'm sure they paid him $2 million. 
Well, Cheap Trick does Ribfest, they make 30 grand. So each one of those guys made 10 grand, or even if the band just made, you know, 15 grand for an hour's work, they all took home fucking five grand and then worked the next day. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with, there's no shame in any of it. There's no shame in making your way in the entertainment industry. There's no shame in trying to make ends meet while you're in the entertainment industry by working in another job. And there, there should be no shame in, in your regular job. I mean, obviously, a lot of people, I hold this conversation all the time in the lift cars, and I'll say to people, hey, uh, you know, I'll, we'll find out what, what, if they want to talk, we'll find out, I go, what do you do? And they'll, you know, they'll say what they're doing. They're like, they're, they work in blood medicine or some bullshit, which is, by the way, that's all I could come up with in the moment there, blood medicine. Uh, they work on a Bon Jovi album, apparently. I, was that, wasn't that a fucking Bon Jovi album? Uh but they'll tell me they work like in a, in, a, in a blood lab or something. And I'm like, and I'll say, hey, is this what you wanted to do or is this what you wound up doing? And they'll go, well, you know, it's not what I wanted to do. I go, did you find you had an aptitude for it? They go, yeah, and there was good money. And so I, I didn't mind doing it. And, and so I get that answer more often than not from people because, you know, not everybody's getting to be at the U.S. Open. Not everybody gets to make their dreams come true. But, I mean, Jeffrey Owens made his dreams come true. That guy was a fucking series regular on a television show. And if you want to really look at it, I've made my dreams come true. I was in a movie, commercials. I've been on television. I've done stand-up comedy on television. I've written for different shows. And, again, I know this sounds like I'm trying to convince myself rather than you guys. But those moments do come up. When I'm driving an Uber and Lyft and things go sour, I have to tell myself, you know, this is not who you are. Uh, I can fall into a funk. I can certainly fall into a black place and just go, Jesus Christ, what the fuck have you done to yourself, man? What have you done? You're supposed to be more than this. You should be more. But seeing Jeffrey Owen's story inspired me because again, that dude, he's hustling. He's got insurance to pay for. He's probably got a house. He's got kids. He's got to take care of his people and he's willing to do it any way that he needs to do it. And there's no shame. I worked at a fucking grocery store, man. Uh, it, honestly, it used to be a really decent wage. It used to be a really good job that people could do and raise a family. It's just that the country has yanked the fucking rug out from a ton of people and made them fucking non-union and whatever else. I'm not going to have that argument with you, but whatever the fuck. I mean, people have instilled shame in in blue-collar living. People have instilled shame in actually, not even blue-collar, in making a living. Because Instagram and everything else has bamboozled people into thinking they're going to be fucking rich. And they love seeing guys topple from a pedestal. So to them, Jeffrey Owens fell off his pedestal. Well, Jeffrey Owens was on Good Morning America just this morning. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a good interview. I will tell you, I, I, it's also a dumb interview. I won't lie. Because you're just capturing the zeitgeist now and you're getting this guy in to talk to him because he used to be on television. Nobody's talking to Bob from Trader Joe's. You know what I mean? Nobody's getting that guy in the fucking door to talk to him about why he works there. But Jeffrey Owens was someone who was in our public consciousness, so they went ahead and brought him in and talked to him. And Robin Roberts uh, interviewed him, and I don't, I don't know. She just, she's awful. I mean, I and look, I'm sure she's terrific, and she's making a fantastic living for herself, and good for Robin Roberts. But, uh, but boy, oh boy, her and her gigantic, you know, she. Uh, uh, look, all right, this is a terrible thing to say. I apologize, but I'm going to do it anyway. You remember Beetlejuice when uh, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin decided to make themselves scary to scare the people out of the house? And uh, Baldwin stretches his head to a sp- like a spy versus spy capacity and plucks his eyeballs out and puts them in his mouth. Uh, I believe he did it or Gina Davis did. I don't know. One of them has a really long, sharp, angular head. That's Robin Roberts. That's what she looks like to me. She looks like uh, not only is she interviewing Jeffrey Owens, but after that, she's going to go haunt the Beetlejuice mansion. That's what she looks like to me. Uh, but I'm sure she's lovely. So she's she's talking to him. And the thing that she's kind of modelly, molly coddling him through the interview uh, you know, she, she makes it very clear she's on his side. She asks him questions about what he's doing, and he answers them very matter-of-factly. And, and 
when I said I took inspiration from it, I don't take inspiration from his story because, look, everybody has to make a living. Everybody has to do their thing. We've talked about this many times on this show. What I took inspiration from was a lot of people in the entertainment industry who rallied behind him and went, hey, man. Uh, I had to mop fucking floors for four years before I got a part in a play. I had to sell popcorn at a box office at the same place where I was doing improv shows. I mean, all these very successful and talented actors and actresses came out and told their stories, and that's necessary. That's very necessary because real people think you just walk into a dreamland. Real people think that when you're acting on TV or whatever, it's not hard, dude. In addition to finding all the check stubs from the fucking jobs I did, I found my audition book. I mean, I found my audition book and it, it is, it'll say stuff in there where it's like, I think I got this and I'm put on a veils for a commercial and then I don't get it. But then there'll be auditions where I'm like, I want, I literally, I'll write, I wanted to run out and leave a mic sized hole in the wall. I mean, that's how bad it goes because you know, you know how badly you do. And then, you know, you, you compound the fact that I was really fucking weird about my height and my, or my height, my weight and my size, uh, and talent anyway. Cause I mean, I had, look, I didn't have any fucking training. I'm just funny. I was just glib. So when I go in for a commercial, you just fucking, you shot for the fucking moon. I didn't have any fucking training to draw from. Uh, and so then when I, I would get rejected, I would take it personally. Hey, I know what you're thinking to yourself. Mike, you really, that doesn't make any sense. No, trust me. It makes a lot of sense. I would absolutely take rejection personally. And in this fucking industry and in this job, holy fuck, is that a mistake? I mean, I still do it. Uh, I've, I've become much better about it, but I still do it. Uh, I put out a show and if I don't hear from people for two or three days, if they think it's funny in my head, I'm like, fuck, is this over? I mean, am I not funny anymore? I know that's ridiculous. I'm not telling you guys to fucking attaboy me. Although, yeah, I mean, I need attaboys. I just, I won't lie. It's just, it's a part of my brain and I'm, I've become much better about managing it, but it's fucking in there. That's one of the reasons why I do this. I need attaboys. I want attaboys. I love attaboys. We all want attaboys. So there's the attaboy fit brigade that I got to blow the dust off my keyboard and fucking post in soon, which I will because rebirth. Um... But Jeffrey Owens gets this this outpouring from other people who work in the entertainment industry who say, yeah, I had to do the same fucking thing. There's no shame in this, man. And and then to see Jeffrey Owens himself handle it and just, and I will take, but it's funny, if you see the interview, if you watch the Good Morning America interview, if you can somehow avoid screaming and at the top of your lungs and running out of the room at the sight of Robin Roberts haunting the television screen. Uh, look again, she's a terrific person, but, uh, but, but if you watch Jeffrey Owens, give you his opinion and talk to you, the first thing they do is they show the pictures from Trader Joe's and, uh, he's there to talk about, Hey man, Trader Joe's is not a bad thing and I'm well adjusted and everything's fine. The first thing is he does is he comments about how he looks in the photographs and how he looks too heavy. And oh my God, that I relate to that dude. Like literally he just, he just goes, yeah, he goes, uh, by the way, those have been Photoshopped. And she's like, what? She goes, these photos are Photoshopped because I was there auditioning for, I was, I'm getting ready for the role of Falstaff on stage. Cause he's a, uh, he's heavy. I mean, in the picture, he just looks heavy. He's got a name tag on. It's a, kind of an ill-fitting shirt and he doesn't look like his matinee idol looks that he looked when he was on the Cosby show. And I'll be honest with you, when he did that, I, I actually flinched cause I went, I know, I know that feeling. I'll take, I'll take three selfies to find a good one. And by three, I mean 30 because you got to manage your image. You got to look okay. You got to look good for what you put online. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I got a double chin. I'm, I'm losing my hair. I mean, all that shit, but you try to find the right angle to not make sure you don't look that way. And, and he was caught in a candid moment where his shirt didn't look good. And he looked like he had tits and he just probably, he's just like, man, look at my beard and I'm bald. and I'm not wearing a hat. Cause I'll tell you what, here's how, again, you want to talk about vanity? The dude wore a hat at the good morning America interview. That alone tells you he's fucking wiped out about losing his hair. 
I mean, he has to. He's vain. He's an actor. I mean, he, he got heavy. He lost his hair. And he's in his own fucking head about it. And then people put him on the internet and make fun of him. Of course he wore a hat. Of course he's going to make a joke about how heavy he was in the photos. Because that's how you get in front of it, goddammit. I'm well aware of that behavior. But then to see the rest of his interview as he goes on and he talks. And he's like, uh, he goes, there's no shame in making a living. There's no shame in a job. He goes, you know, I, I teach acting. I've been in movies. I've had roles. But, you know, the math the, the past few years hasn't added up, and I've got bills to pay, and my wife and I talked, and, and so I wind up doing this. And, and look, I have a friend. I have a really good friend. I don't know if, I don't know if he publicizes it, but he's an entertainer and a friend, and he, he works at Trader Joe's. He manages a Trader Joe's. In fact, when my shit all hit the fucking fan in 2013, I went to him and I said, hey, look, dude, is there any string you can pull? Is there any way I can possibly get, get a look? And uh, on his recommendation, I did apply. I did not get hired which I understand because there was a huge resume gap where it literally, because my resume was like, uh, I was a standard comedian and then I wrote on some television shows and then I, I think I may have slipped in the word turd and that was why they said, well, we can't hire you, pal. Um, but my friend works there because you know what? There's benefits. You get full benefits and you, you work with a crew. You work, there's camaraderie. I mean, I told you I used to love working in kitchens because there was a camaraderie. There's almost like a, Anthony Bourdain described it as like a pirate ship and you're absolutely right. You're all in this together, man. And I miss that. I do miss that because I work alone. You know, I work alone. I'd love to have a fucking marauding crew of people that I could pull from and, and depend on and, and laugh at and laugh with. Uh, and, I, you know, I did that on my shows. Like, I mean, I, I, another thing going through the boxes as I have this fucking walk down memory lane. Um, you know, when I used to write on Starface, you know, the room, it was me, Matt Weinhold, Kevin Sesha, Danielle Koenig, Michael Bailey. I mean, it was just it was just five funny people, man. And I used to take my watch off. I told this story on here many times. I, took, I, I you know, I'd sit at my desk. I have a watch, and I, I had a big chunky fucking watch. So when I'd sit down and I'd type, I hated it. So I'd have to take the watch off, and I'd always put it on my desk. And uh, one day I came in, I didn't even notice. And like the whole day, you know, we're just going on. And then finally, Sesh is leaving. He goes, "Hey, man, uh, do you are, how like how do you not notice this?" And I go, "What?" And he goes, "Look," and. Uh, they had taken my watch away and replaced it with a purple crepe paper watch. Just It was just right there on my desk. And I never even noticed. I never even saw the fucking thing. Sasha had to tell me, which blows the, the gag, which is a drag. But I, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw it. And he just fucking puts my watch back on my desk. I mean, it was just, it was, it was so, that shit's fun. You know, having, having people that you're in the goddamn lifeboats with is fun. And so he probably went to Trader Joe's not only... Because he needs money and he wants benefits and he wants to take care of business. But also, you know, you, you miss working with people. And he's a he's probably a an extrovert because he's an actor. You know, I'm, I would imagine, not an extrovert, but certainly someone who doesn't mind expressing himself. So he, he wanted to be in that kind of a social environment. And he said there's no shame in any jobs. And... and and hearing him say that and hearing people come out in, in, in support of him... It, uh, it made me rethink things, you know, because I'd been, uh, look, I'm not down, I'm me. But at the same time, whenever I'd go out and I'd do Uber, I'd just, I'd grip my teeth and I'd be like, fuck. And, I, and, and then, you know, I told you the story last week about G and a lot of people were very nice and, and wrote me and said, hey, man, that's a great story. That's really cool that that happened. And, and you're absolutely right. It was fucking amazing. That guy came out of nowhere. He helped me out in such a way that, uh, that I felt special, you know, and I was able to share that with you guys. And, and I was really proud of that. But at the same time, I still saw somebody get their fucking windshield smashed in. I was still fucking 20 feet from chaos. And in my head, I'm like, why am I 20 feet from chaos? I shouldn't be 20 feet from chaos. I should be sitting in front of a fireplace with a pipe 
reading people a fucking story or something. I mean, I, I, that's who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm verbal. I'm not, I'm not that. I kept telling myself, I'm not that. I'm not this. I'm not that. No, no. You are that. You are this. You are everything. You know, you're just fucking Mike. Just be Mike. But it's hard, man. You know, it's hard to to talk yourself out of being angry at yourself for the, the choices you've made and the places you've wound up. Seeing him say those things really did help. And seeing people come out and rally his, to his defense, that, that helped too. And, you know, when he, like I said, when he gave that speech, when he's like, I, I, there is, there's no shame in having a job. But, I, but then the interview, of course, ends and fucking Robin Roberts starts clapping and everybody claps for the guy. And I'm like, why the, why the fuck are you? You can't. I mean, look, again, like I said, it's bad enough you're not having Bob from Trader Joe's on the show. But then you're, you're going to clap for the dude? I mean, that, that didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But I mean, I guess, you know, it was a way to make him feel accepted and a way to make him feel okay and happy and... and uh and and whatever, I don't fucking claim to understand morning talk shows. I don't know how they exist. I don't know how anybody's watching anything in the goddamn morning, but good for them. Um, but also, it was funny to see that little peek behind him where he's he's like, yeah, no, by the way, you know, you, uh, uh, I, I, I was photoshopped. I, I don't really look like that. You know what I mean? Just, just, I know that feeling. And also, another point that he, he, he pointed out, and this is something that I struggle with all the time, is he said that he never... Uh, he would never tell anybody that he worked in the grocery store because the second Hollywood hears that they go, Oh, well he's out of the game. Yeah. That guy gave up. So, so there's no, no, we don't even consider a Jeffrey Owens because that guy's just throwing crackers in a bag. And that's, uh, it's always been my philosophy. I told you from the time I was a kid working at a pizza place and I was doing stand up and hosting at the funny bone. I never told anybody I was a comic. I didn't. Uh, because I didn't want to give them the opportunity to go, well, don't quit your day job. Uh, I never wanted them to go, oh, well, you must be really good at it. Because, I mean, I'll even do that joke sometimes in the car. I'll be like, you know, if it really if people ask me, I'll go, look, I do what everybody else in town does. What does that mean? Well, I'm in the entertainment industry. Oh, what segment? What do you do? And I go, well, I'm a comedian uh, and a writer, you know, that kind of thing. And I go, and I am terrific at it. And that explains why I'm driving you to the airport. Uh, which breaks the ice a little bit and still self-deprecating enough to where I can feel like I'm getting over that hump. But, uh, but inside it, I feel it's because I've admitted something, you know, it's almost like I've admitted something bad about myself by saying I'm a comedian as I'm driving them somewhere. I mean, it's, it's, again, it betrays the fact that you haven't achieved your dream when there's really nothing wrong with continuing to chase your dreams, even at 51, even at 61, even at 11, even at 80. I mean, who fucking cares? You just keep moving forward. We're sharks. I've talked about it before. Be a shark. But you can forget all those things in the moment when someone's kind of asking you who you are and what you do. And I want to deflect and ask you what you do because the last thing I want to do is tell you I'm a comedian and give you the opportunity to go, well, you must be great at it. You know what I mean? It's So I, I wind up beating them to the punch on that fucking joke. And it's just like what he did where he's like, oh, yeah, those photos have been photoshopped and I, I don't really look like that. And he's wearing a hat to hide his baldness. And, and then for him to say completely truthfully that if Hollywood hears you're working in a grocery store. They're not going to think of you for projects. You're out of the game as far as they're concerned. And that's how I feel about this. Coming to talk to you about Uber, talking to you about Lyft, talking to you about Travis Barbecue, talking to you whether either, look, they're good stories. I've lived them and I can make them uh, into, into maybe even more than just stories. Maybe I can tell them more in a way where they, they affect you. And I'm proud of that. And that's my gift. That's what I do. But at the same time, 
I still have to be in the car. And I don't want it to look like I'm in the car to generate content for this show because, fuck, I could generate content for this show anyway. I can open the microphone up and we could talk about the fucking bears. We could talk about the movies. We could talk about fucking anything. But the main thing we want to talk about is my life. And right now, my life is, uh, is spent in the car a lot of the time. And, uh, and telling you for me is a risk. Not, not so much you guys, but putting it out there in, in this volume. If anybody jumps in new, some new person, a casting director, and they just hear me talking about Ubering or lifting, then, then, then I look like a guy with a podcast hobby who, uh, whose, whose real gig is driving people around. I mean, I, Uber's a side hustle. We all know that. But if anybody hears that you've got a side hustle going, it's very easy for them to put you out of sight, out of mind. You know, I mean, look at Pardo. Pardo was a warm-up guy. He's doing stand-up. He's on the road. He's working all over the goddamn place. But if you heard that Jimmy worked at a grocery store, what the fuck would you do? He's a superhero. It'd be like stumbling into Batman at your fucking local gym. You'd be like, holy fuck, why are you here? Well, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm picking up a couple hours because, you know, this crime-fighting thing. Anyway, you need a towel? I mean, Jesus fuck, how weird would that be? Uh, and that's how I feel sometimes. Like, when I'm in the car, because, I mean, I, you know, I just feel... It's it's like a game show, and those people are so lucky to be in there with me. As I've told you before, there's there's no greater gift than being paid to be yourself, but there's nothing I can withhold from you that would be more punishing than not being myself around you. That's how highly I think of myself. That's how highly I think of my uh, my ability to carry on a conversation and to, to make you feel interesting and make you feel good. Uh, if I withhold that and I just fucking clam up, that's your fucking loss. Because uh, I'm a goddamn superhero. <laughs> but then sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm a goddamn superhero is to drive somebody to the fucking market like a dope. Uh, you think Batman wants to hand out towels? Fuck no. <laughs> you think I want to drive people to the airport? Uh, I mean, it's what I have to do at this time. So then when I tell you stories about it in my uh, hamster wheel, that is my fucking brain. I wonder if, you know, because again, last week was it was an, it was a Uber story that made sense. And, and now again today, I have more to tell you. And people are very nice, and they say, we like hearing the Uber stories. It's just that in my brain, I'm wondering when the tipping point is going to be where somebody goes, well, dude, you're just now you're just doing an Uber podcast, and that's, that's why I said I worry. And I'm not asking you to write me and go, don't worry, Mike, boo-hoo. I mean, I'm, I'm not that guy. I mean, I, I, I get it. I understand it. It's just, uh, you know, there's fucking yin fighting yang inside of me, and, and, and I don't know what side each one of them is on. And uh, I don't even know why I said yin and yang. Oh, my. Fucking Bruce Lee. I'm going to be like water, folks. Anyway, watching him talk about the fact that there's no shame in having a job empowered me. And seeing all of the people on Twitter come to his defense made me realize that uh, I should I should stop putting so much pressure on myself and just be me. Now, look, I've learned a lot of lessons throughout 11 years. You can go back and listen to shows from uh, year seven and year two. And I'm, I'm saying a lot of these things then, you know, and they don't stick. Even in the one man, when I was on the road, I did a thing about life wasted. I played Pearl Jam song and I said, a life, I've lived a life wasted. I've tasted a life wasted. Will I be able to escape a life wasted? Um, I think I have. I think I've escaped it. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think there's a waste in anything that I do. I love doing this show and I, and I, I do what I have to do to survive. And that's not a fucking waste. Do I think I can be better? Do I think it should be more? Do I think I need to work harder? Of course. I think we all probably feel that way in the dark and the quiet, but right now is what I got. I got me in the car and you guys listening as I tell you about it. And I've decided in watching Jeffrey Owens tackle his situation with grace and seeing people rally to his defense 
uh, I've decided that, uh, that that's not a bad thing. And, uh, and, and I, I, I will share my weekend with you. I was in the car and, uh, and by the way, it's not some grandiose thing when I'll share my weekend and you're supposed to like applaud. Nobody fucking cares. Well, you do care, but you know what I mean? It's not like I'm like, well, I'm deigning to bring you this gift. No, of course not. I'm, I'm just saying that I don't, I'm hopefully not going to beat myself so much uh, beat myself up so much about it going forward. <laughs> How's that? How's that for a real fucking commitment? The point is, I didn't want to tell Uber stories this week because I told them last week, but you know what? Uber stories are are interesting, and, and I have them to share. Uh, and getting to who I am as a person and how I've been feeling and, and the, the strides I've made in five years of therapy. Uh, I got pinged to go. I walked out of my house, and I got pinged you know, I'm in the valley, so I get pinged. I, what I like to do is I turn it on right when I walk out to my carport, and hopefully I can get pinged in the valley, and I'd love to do some rides all around the valley, keeping me out of Hollywood for a while, just because if you can do rides close to your house, it just makes me feel a little bit better just to start out the night. I'd love to bulk like fucking five to eight rides. Yes, I have a strategy. So I get pinged, I go to this guy's house, and I pull up, and there's uh, a teenager, looks like he might be a junior in high school, I don't know, but he's, he's kind of a buff kid. And he's with his mom or grandmother. I don't know. Uh, but he's standing there and she's standing there and they're in the driveway. And they are surrounded by debris. And in my head, I'm like, well, there's there's no way this young gentleman wants to fill my car with debris. Why, that just seems ridiculous. So I pull up and I go, hey, what's going on? And he goes, hey, how are you? And I said, uh, you're going to... Because then I flip the switch and uh, he's going to Thousand Oaks, which is... Uh, way west of me. All right, it's 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 you know it's about a twenty mile ride, twenty two mile ride. So that's fine. It's a good way to start the night. I mean, it's a bad way because then I'll be all the way out there and I got to try to hook up and get rides. But what the fuck? So uh, I roll the window down and I go, like, Hey, you need to, uh, you know, are you coming? Or he goes, Well, he goes, Well, can I have to put all this stuff? Can you open the trunk? And I go, Dude, that's a lot of stuff because there's three cases of water, a case of Gatorade, there's a fucking barbell with eighty pounds of weights on it. There's two fucking things that you hook them like a barbell rack. I mean, I'm just like, dude, what? The? I go, dude, I don't think that shit's going to fit in my car. And he goes, seriously? I go, well, I mean, we can try, but I mean, I, that's a lot of stuff, man. And the grandmother's like, please, sir. So uh, I pop the trunk. And my trunk, by the way, is filled with like recycling bottles and shopping bags. I, I, I could not be more of my Lithuanian grandmother if I tried. Uh, and she wasn't even my grandmother. She was my my Uncle John's mom. So she was our, we just considered her, we called her Grandma Rokaitis. I mean, she, that's who she was. She just was this old lady with no teeth who would make fucking the most delicious kugula and food you could ever eat in your life. But then she would, I just like that weird thing where her mouth barely opened. You know, she had, she had a fucking balloon knot mouth that barely, she's like, eh, you dig, and, and spoke with a heavy accent, but everybody else in the world understood her as a child. You were frightened to death. I mean, you'd get some like sloppy kiss and she'd leave like a snail trail on your face, and be, but you loved her. I mean, she was a bubble. That's who she was. You know, she was just, just a kerchief on the head and just walking around in slippers, even outside, you know, that kind of like old school grandma from Lithuania. Uh, and she was the fucking coolest man. 
But that's what this lady kind of talked like, eh, sir, it's okay if you help my boy. And I'm like, of course. Turns out not the grandma, it's the mom. So he came along a little late in life, apparently. Uh, so I get, you know, so I go to, I lift up like two cases of water and the guy's like, sir, you don't have to strain yourself. I'm like, no, nah, man, I got, it's no problem. So I grabbed that and then I grabbed the 80 pounds of fucking barbells and I, you know, lift with the legs. Folks always lift with the legs. Put those in my trunk. He puts his two suitcases in the, in the back seat. I oh, went a mess. So we start driving and he's a good kid. You know, we wind up talking. He's going out to a Jewish boarding school. It's his senior year, so he's excited. He's going to graduate and become a lawyer. So he's got that. Uh, he's got that on deck. He's just got one more year at this boarding school, and he's going to be thrilled. Uh, and again, we we talk. You know, I ask him questions about what he's doing with his life. Then he asks me, and we talk. We have a nice conversation. So I get all the way out. It's a twenty-three mile ride, whatever. And it turns out this fucking Jewish boarding school's in the mountains. So it's a twisting turning, you know, get off the freeway and you're driving and you're twisting. I'm turning all of a sudden it's a two lane road. And then uh, he's like, oh yeah, it's going to be up here. And I start to lose fucking cell phone service. And, uh, and it's weird. I pull up in this thing. It, it's, I guess it's a temple slash school, but man, it looks like it's under heavy guard. I mean, they did this thick iron gate that's in the, uh, in, a, in like a, it's in Hebrew. It looks like a Hebrew word. The gate is, has that emblazoned upon it. Uh, and he's like, oh, I got to get out and push in the code. So he punches in the code and I pull up and I, I, uh, you know, I, and I, he's staying, it's so weird. He was staying in like a shack. I go, where are we going? He goes right there. You passed it. I go that, that like guardhouse. He goes, yeah, that's fine. And I go, all right. So I, I pull up and I go, you need help with your stuff. And he goes, well, no. And I go, okay, dude, of course you need help with your stuff. Are you kidding me? You got a million things. So I get out. And, uh, you know, I grab the cases of water, grab the barbells and he's just, he's putting stuff on the stairs. Nice kid. Seems fine. And he's like, thank you, sir. I said, well, thank you. Take care. Good luck as a lawyer. And I get in the car to split. Now again, now I'm in the middle of nowhere. That's the problem. You know, the way the, the app works is you're, you're hoping to be in populated areas so you can get rides, especially when I'm chasing a fucking bonus. So, uh, I wind about in the middle of nowhere, as I've mentioned, and then all of a sudden I get pinged. Now, uh, here's my philosophy. If I get pinged to go pick somebody up, uh, I never go more than two miles because if the person's only going two miles or less, then it's a wasted trip. If I drive three miles to pick somebody up and they're only going two miles, I just want to drive my car off of a fucking cliff with a Louise. So I just go, ah, you know, if I get pinged for a long ride, I just turn it down because there's just, there's just no point. However, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's a ride that's on the way back to where you're going. So like if I have to leave Thousand Oaks and I'm heading back to the valley, if I'm heading back towards Agoura Hills, uh, I can grab a ride if it's going, if it's on the way there, because I'm heading that way anyway to go towards Hollywood. See strategy or strategery. So uh, I look at the phone and I get pinged and it turns out there's somebody who's eight miles away because again, I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere. Now, also I will tell you this, it says she's eight miles away and it's got some curvy mountain road. Now, I don't know if this is going toward Hollywood or going toward the fucking moon. I mean, I got no idea, but uh, it says there's a pickup premium, which means you get a bonus just for going out and making the trip to get the person. So you get compensated for the ride. So in my head, I'm like, nah. Ah, fuck, who cares? So I go, all right. So I head out there. I accept the ride and I'm rolling and I got to go five miles on the two lane highway. And then I got to go three miles on the regular freeway. And I pull up and it, it turns out it's in like this little fucking shopping center by a wine store. And I pull up and the clock starts ticking to tell her I'm there. So I've already driven eight miles and I don't see a fucking soul. And in my head, I'm like, oh man, don't fucking cancel on me after eight miles. Cause that's, that's also the real danger. If you drive four or five miles and somebody cancels, you get four bucks. So fucking what? You drove five miles for four bucks. Well, I just drove eight fucking miles for fucking, for four bucks. I'm going to kill somebody. 
Uh, and I'm waiting. So finally, you know, the way it works is they get five minutes. The first two minutes are on, on Uber. And then the next three minutes, they get charged for waiting, for making me wait. Well, the way I work it is after the first two minutes, I call them because I want them to know that I'm there and then I'm getting charged anyway. So what the fuck? So the first two go, the third minute kicks in and I call her. And I said, uh, hi, this is your Uber. I'm here. And she goes, oh, I canceled you. I said, I can assure you, you did not. She goes, excuse me. And she goes, I, I said, no, no, I, I assure you. Seriously, I'm sitting here right now. I'm looking at your name. And, uh, and I, it says I'm, the clock is running and I'm here to pick you up. She goes, no, no, I, I got sick and I had to leave early. So I had a friend come get me. Like I, I canceled you and you already called me and you told me that you weren't going to come by and you needed me to cancel the trip. And I go, again, I can, I can tell you right now, we have never spoken. I don't know who you are. And, and somehow you've ordered an Uber and I'm it. She goes, well, no, what happened was I ordered an Uber earlier and I was sick. And then the guy called me and, and see people do this because they want me to cancel the ride. So they don't have to pay. It's, it's a game, but I can also tell that this woman was genuinely flustered because she's like, I'm sick. I don't know. I just want to go to bed. I'm sorry. I had to leave the restaurant early and I just, but I, I couldn't wait. And I already canceled you. And I said, well, you didn't cancel me. Maybe you canceled one Uber and then ordered a second Uber on accident. I go, but I'm here. She goes, well, if there's a way you can just charge me for the ride. That's totally fine. But I, there's not, I go, well, I, I'm, if you want to cancel it, that's fine. She goes, okay, but I'm looking at my app and I don't know how to do that. I go, all right, there's a button that says cancel. Yeah, I don't see that. I, I can't figure it. I go, well, I will say this to you. You told me you already canceled one rider. How'd you do that? Oh, um, what I meant to say was he canceled when he called. So now I don't know if the story's true, if she's really sick, if she's just trying to get over on me. I don't know. Because again, as I've said, in this job, you meet everybody. You meet nice people. You meet people trying to get over, grifters, all sorts of nonsense. I mean, half the drivers are fucking grifters. Everybody's looking for a shortcut in this entire country. So, uh, but again, she was, uh, she was lovely on the phone and very nice. And I could tell that she was flustered and sick. And I said, I'll tell you what, I, I will take care of this. I go, you don't have to cancel. I go, I'll, I'll, I'll let the five minutes run out and then I'll cancel it and just say you weren't here. She goes, well, if there's a way you can put a tip in there for yourself, that's totally fine. I go, no, I can't do that. That's handled on your end. But if there's no ride, there's, there's no way for you to tip me. So please don't worry about it. Uh, just go ahead and get some rest. Cause again, I'm a, I'm a nice person. You're sick. Go lay down. Uh, you know, I'm going to bitch you. It's my fault. I chose to go eight miles. It's my own fucking fault. So, uh, she's like, I'm really sorry about this. I'm going to go sleep. And I said, okay, great. You do that. And I wanted to, I just wanted to give her my own number. Hey, call me when you're okay. I mean, I don't know. Trying to be caring. Uh, so she, I let her go and then I have to wait out. I'd run out the clock, take a knee for the next two minutes. And when it ends, I cancel the ride. And it says, you know, you get the choices, write a request and cancel. Don't ever punch that. If you're driving, don't ever punch, write a request and cancel because they will not pay you. I've had it happen twice. And after that, I just went never again. So I posted for real. Rider isn't here. Bang. And it turns out, here's the thing, folks. Uh, I wound up getting $8.50 for that canceled ride. Normally, it's 4 bucks, but the premium was uh, to double the charge. So look at that, folks. I, I came out ahead of the, uh, in the deal. Not really, because an eight, well, an 8 mile ride is about 8 bucks, 8 9 So I mean, I did okay. It's like I, I, made, I made money just for the drive out there. So I was okay with it. But now I'm, I'm even, I'm eight miles further into the ass of California. I mean, I'm fucking much farther West and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Now I got to fucking make my way toward Hollywood. And what you got to do is you got to get in the freeway and leave it on the, the app and hope you can pick up some strays along the way until you get to populated areas. Uh, so I'm still in the wine store parking lot. And I'm like, all right, we'll just fuck. I'll leave the app on. And I, I'm not kidding. I don't drive 10 seconds. Bring, I get pinged again. Also a pickup premium, and this is a pickup in Malibu. 
Uh, and this pickup is 12 miles away. So in my head, I'm like, all right, look, if these motherfuckers don't show up, at least I'm going to make 12 bucks. So I accept it. And again, I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere. And if they're in Malibu, in my brain, I'm thinking, well, maybe they're going to shoot a PCH to Santa Monica. Maybe they get me somewhere populated. Maybe things are okay. So uh, I make my way over toward where they are. It's 12 miles. I'm driving. Uh, and it's windy roads. It's mountain roads. It's some freeway. But then mainly, you got to get off. And you're twisting and you're turning and you're in the hills. And, uh, you know, I, I have service, but it could go at any moment. Now, I should tell you, I'm using the uh, Google Maps uh, app to try to find these people uh, because the Uber app is just incompetent. It doesn't know where people are. But at the same time, when people are up in the hills, the fucking pin floats. If people order an Uber ride, and I'll tell you this as an Uber rider, folks, always try to put in the specific address where you are. Don't fucking let it choose for you because it gives like a, almost a half mile fucking radius sometimes. So I pull up and I'm driving. And I mean, I'm now I'm in... Hills have eyes territory. Like I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to make a left-hand turn and I'm going to put headlights on Michael Berryman and they're going to break into my car and eat my parrot. Like, I mean, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Eat handfuls of raw ground beef. I mean, I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere, man. It looks like I may have just driven to the Indiana dunes. Like it's just, it's just Hills. And then there's that, you know, there's like one house with a giant yard and a fence and, uh, and you just turn and you make two left turns and then there's two Jeeps that you don't know if they belong to anybody or if just there's bones in them. I mean, you have no fucking idea. It's just, it's, you're in the middle of, no, it's Malibu, man. And it's up in the hills. And so I called them and I go, Hey, uh, you know, this is your Uber. It says I'm here. They go, Oh, you're, you're not here. I go, okay, well, where are you? She goes, well, it says right on the app. I put in the app. And I, I realize now at this point, this girl is drunk and it's only like fucking eight 30 at night. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fucking challenge. Her name's Marianne. I go, Marianne, you just got, just got to tell me where you're at. Well, you know, if you go ahead and you go back out, because I think you're probably in the neighborhood. We made the same mistake when we got here earlier. Just, I go, okay, just tell me where you are. Okay, what you need to do is you need to back out of there and you need to make a left and make another left. and make. I go, look, just tell me where you are. If you tell me where you are, I can put it in the app. Well, I get that. I understand we're here. Well, what do you mean you're here? We're here. It's where I put it in the phone. It's just the address. I go, look. I'm, I'm telling you, and the whole time I'm doing this, I'm backing out, I'm moving out, I'm making a left, I'm making a left, because I'm looking at the app, and I'm, I'm, you know, I can make my way around, I can figure out where fucking roads are, but at the same time, in the hills, people are floating, they're hidden, it it's just doesn't tell you exactly where people are. So usually, if there's a pin floating in the middle of nowhere, it means they're at a resort somewhere, so you got to pull in and go through 47 parking lots. So I start coming around, I make the left, I make a left, I make a left, and the whole time she's on the phone, and I can hear like she's got, a, a, it looks like a party, like people yelling. I go, Marianne, hold tight. I'm on my way. I go, but just, uh, you know, the thing is I'm trying to make my way around here. Oh yeah, you got to make a left. And fuck. Yes. A left. Okay. Well, we're here. So that's, it's exactly right. I go, where is here? Are you in a building? Are you in an establishment? If you just tell me, like, give me the address of the house. Oh, it's not a house. We're, we're at a restaurant. So, and I go, great. Tell me the name of the restaurant because then I can put that in Google maps. It'll tell me exactly where it is. It won't just give me this floaty fucking thing. And she says, oh, we're at the Malibu Cafe. I said, okay, yeah, that's that's great. And she goes, oh, yeah, I, I thought I told you that. I go, you didn't, really? And the whole time I'm now driving, typing in Malibu Cafe and trying to talk to this woman on the goddamn phone. And she goes, yeah, we're right here. We're right out, we're right out front. So just pull in and, and just we'll be the ones right here. I said, okay, great. I'm on my way. I fucking hang up the phone. I'm just like, oh, great. I don't, I don't even know where she's going, but she's fucking loaded. She said, we. So I don't know what this is going to be like. Uh... 
I make a left-hand turn. I miss their left because, again, the floating pin. I go in. The Google Maps brings me into a hotel. Now, I will tell you this, though. As I pull into this hotel, like, I don't know where they came from, but it was a bunch of 20-year-olds just came walking out in swimwear. And by in swimwear, I mean they all had, you know, bikini tops on and shorts except for one girl who was just wearing a thong. And, and it's just kids. It's just rich kids at a resort at like a dude ranch or something. And she's, so I literally turned around and I will tell you this. I, I made the thought in my brain. I'm like, cause I was pissed. I'm like, fuck, I can do a three point turn and get the fuck out of here. And great. I go, oh yeah, all you kids just go ahead and walk behind my car. That's fantastic. Why not? Why would you wait? It's only a vehicle you fucks, but then they continue to walk and then they finish. And so then I turn around and then as I all my, my fucking lights illuminate just this ass, just this 19 year old thonged, bethonged ass. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? Sometimes this is worth it. Sometimes this is, this is my, that's my $8 charge for canceling right there. Just my, just to have my headlights. And she didn't, again, the fact that she's in the thong, she didn't flinch, man. She's walking around because everybody else is wearing like, it said it was that group of girls and boys where like I said, they're probably like 18, 19 and uh, all the boys are just kind of awkward and gangly. And they're tripping over themselves and all the girls are way too developed for these guys. And you can just see that they're completely out of their league and the girls are trying to just be, be normal. And the guys are kind of like, oh, you know, snapping towels and being assholes. But this girl was right in front of me. And I mean, it was just this, this worshipable ass in a white thong. And man, it was just, and so I, I, and I look, I didn't follow them because I'm a creep. I followed them because they were walking really fucking slow and taking up every goddamn ounce of room to get out of the goddamn parking lot. But I did not mind. I'll be truly honest with you. So finally, they all go in an end mass. They turn the corner and I go around and I, uh, you know, I, I just drive because I don't want to look back because that seems weird to look at her face now. Like, hi, I just looked at your ass for a fucking minute uh, or 90 seconds or 93 seconds. I didn't count. Maybe I did. All right. So I turn around uh, and then I go up and I find that I look at the map and I, I, full of, I pull into the Malibu Cafe. There's a fucking handwritten sign on a pylon, you know, right outside of a like a, a, a horse corral fence. Malibu Cafe, Arrow. I pull in and there's, uh, there's three people there. There's, uh, there's Marianne and she has two friends. So I pull up and the valet guys are like, Hey, see or no. And I go, what? And they go, see or no stay. And I go, no, no, I'm here to pick people up. They go, Oh, Uber. I said, yeah. And they go, what this name? I go, I think Marianne, but I mean, there's only three people here. It's gotta be them. Right. And then they come walking over to the car and, uh, they open the doors and they get in and it's Marianne and she's got a, a, a lovely female friend who's uh, Marianne sits in the front seat and then they have a female friend who sits in behind Marianne and then they have a gentleman friend who sits behind me and they open the doors and they go, Hey, Marianne. I go, Hey, Marianne, how are you? I go, I finally found you. Yeah. Okay. And they get in and, uh, they just start talking amongst themselves. They don't give me a hello. They don't go thank you or thank you for calling or finding us. Now, look, I understand I'm old, but uh, I'm still a guy who was raised with manners and politeness. And also there's I'm your elder. You say you say hi. You don't have to call me sir or whatever the fuck. You can say, hey, are you Michael? Anything. But instead, they just get in the car and they start talking. And by they start talking, I mean Marianne. Uh, is is talking softly and her friend behind her is talking softly and uh, the gentleman that they happen to be traveling with is shouting shouting and laughing like 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 ha 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 like Fran Drescher shouting and laughing like loud brassy annoying if you were to somehow 
convert a drummer's symbols into a into a child, you would have the guy who sat behind me. Uh, just just annoying. Sounded sounded like a brass band out of tune. I mean, he could not have been more fucking terrible from the jump. And they get in, and I don't even, dude. I, you know me. I give the speech. I go, hey, how you guys doing? How was dinner at Malibu Cafe? Uh, if you guys want the air on, the the heat, the whole, you know me. I give a speech. Hey, music. You guys can turn it up. You can turn it off. You can change it. You can play your own. I don't. I don't even get it out. They get in the car. They slam the doors. They start talking. And ha ha. He's like yelling, and they're talking. And then he goes, oh, turn on some music. He yells it that loud. And I go, okay. Uh, and she goes, yeah. Can we put some music on, please? Can we just play? Can you change the station? I go, look, you can change the station to whatever you want. I was about to say to you guys, uh, if you guys want to play your... Oh, yeah, we want to... He goes, I want to play my music. Dad, give me the give me the card. I go, excuse me? He goes, give me the, give me the card. I'll play the music. I'm the DJ. I'm the DJ. And uh, and so I, in my brain, I just go, dude, shut up to me. Because like, I don't want to say anything. Uh, and I take, I take the cord out of my phone. And I hand it to him in the back seat. And I pull out of the Malibu Cafe parking lot. And then he starts uh, gossiping. Oh my God, can you believe she wore that? Oh my God. And he talks just like them. Uh, he is, uh, he's, he's queer eye for the Schmidt guy. I mean, he's, he's just a dude who's loudly, aggressively gay and shouting. But here's the thing that doesn't even matter. What matters is he's rude and he's not nice. I don't give a fuck who you're, who you're blowing or who you're fucking or who you're sleeping with or who you're marrying. Be a nice person. We've talked about that. Be a coolocrat. I'm a be coolocrat. Be cool. He's not cool. So he plugs in his phone, and I'm driving now, and I've got to wind up. And it turns out I start the fucking ride. Dudes, they're going 38 miles, uh, which is great because it was at like a like a fucking 1.6 surge. So I'm I'm gonna make fucking like 60 bucks off this ride. But at the same time, now I've got to be in the car for 38 miles with the emergency broadcast system. So he's behind me. I'm driving. He's got his thing plugged in and they're, they're being loud. Oh my God. Can you believe she wore that today? She looks so gross. And they're like, stop it. Oh my God. Uh, Ron, don't be like that. And he's like, Oh my God. No, she just, I just, I don't even understand. Those shoes were just terrible. And they're, and they're being loud and aggressive and snarky and, and snide. And they're, they're just not being nice. They're not being nice to me. They're not, they're, they're, they're not being nice to their friends whose, whose wedding they just attended. I, I mean, it, it's just that negative energy that you can do without. You just don't need it. But you know what you do need? 65 bucks. So you drive. I'm driving. I get out on the twisty mountain road. I got to go like seven miles on that just to get to the freeway. I'm driving. There's no music. They're talking. He's plugged in, but I can look on the dash and it just drives me crazy. When you give somebody the chord and the music doesn't start playing, it's like, dude, if you're going to play your music, play it. But I look and it's on pause. So, uh, I, he, you know, he can't get his shit together because he's half in the bag. And, uh, and so I'm, I don't, but I don't say anything. So I drive and they're yelling, Oh my God, he's terrible. You're terrible. Oh, what are you talking about? Oh my God. And, uh, I go about five miles and finally the guy goes, Oh my God, I've got to pee right now. And uh, there's a beat. I don't say anything. And I'm wait. I'm waiting for the girls to say something, and they don't. I just keep driving, and he doesn't say anything else. But then he hasn't had his music playing. Finally, he goes, "Can you turn the music up, please?" I go, "The music is up. You're on pause." 
He goes, oh, I, I don't think so. I go, no, if you look at the screen, you can see it says pause because you've got whatever you're trying to do isn't working. And Marianne looks at you and goes, oh, my God, you're totally on pause, Ron. I can't believe it. He goes, well, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe his card doesn't work, you know, but I know my phone always works. And, and I go, look, just unplug it and plug it back in. Unplug it and plug it back in. I go, you using Pandora? You using Spotify? What are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to hear some music. And uh, he, he plugs the phone in a couple more times and it goes to pause. And we're dead, you know, silent in the car except for they're yelling, this cacophony of noise. We don't even need any fucking music, quite frankly. But honestly, in my mind, I'm like, please play music just so maybe they shut the fuck up and listen and relax. But uh, after the third time, he can't get it together. So Marianne goes, you know what? I can play it on my phone. Just, yeah, just give me the card. And he goes, all right, you play it. Just play it, whatever. He goes, oh, my God, just play it. Just make sure you play that one song. I don't even know what the fuck that means. So now I get on the freeway. And the freeway is pretty packed, especially for up there by where I'm picking them up. I, uh, I wind up merging out of the freeway. She puts on her music. And, of course, they play, like, uh, Tyga. And uh, who, who is it? Travis Scott. You know, it's rap. I mean, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's hip hop rap, but they're like they're singing it, and they're singing every every curse word and every n word, and and I mean they're just they're just you know they're loud and abrasive, and then in the middle of it, he just goes, "I've got to take a piss." Oh my God, pull over! And uh, they go, oh, my God, you got to calm down, Ron. Oh, my God, you got to calm down. And he goes, no, I said I got to piss. I had to piss before. I really got to piss now. And, I mean, we're we're still 30 miles from where they need to go. And I'm in the middle of the freeway. And as I've mentioned, it's a lot of nothing up there. It's fucking horse farms and the Manson family. It's fucking nothing. So I, I'm not, still not saying anything because he's not, he's not saying, again, I'm, I know you know me. If he would have said, sir, excuse me, can we find a place for me to use the restroom? Uh, I'm on board. I'm doing it. But if you just start yelling in my ear, I got to piss, pull over, I got to piss, I'm going to fucking ignore you until you do the wrong thing, and then I'm going to throw you out the fucking window probably. But I'm driving. He announces it again and again. And uh, and finally, he just he relaxes, and they play more music, and they're rapping, and they're singing. So then he starts talking to the girl in the back seat. And there's a break in the action, so I look at Marianne, and I go, hey, Marianne, uh, he's not going to piss in my car, is he? She goes, oh my God, no, he does that all the time. He just, he's, this is what he does. I go, what do you mean? She goes, this is, this is, this is Ron. This is our Ron. This is who he is. He just, you know, he'll yell stuff, whatever. And in my head, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's the fucking problem. You know, that's because anybody who thinks that they have the opportunity and, and can act like an asshole and you just have to go, that's just them. Fuck them, man. Fuck them. Throw them off the top of a fucking cliff. So uh, I go, okay, I, do, I just want to make sure. I go, because you know that if he, if, if he does piss in the car, uh, it's, gonna, it's your name, so it's going to cost you $250. She goes, he won't, I promise. Oh, my God, he would never do that. And I go, okay, cool, I just want to make sure, as long as we're good. I go, we go with the air conditioning, we go with the music. Oh, my gosh, yeah, absolutely, because she's, again, she's nice. Her friend is soft-spoken and nice. He's just a fucking tray of silverware thrown into the Grand Canyon. He's just a mess. So I continue driving, traffic. They're yelling, they're loud. I'm gritting my teeth. I'm just, I just want to get it over with to get them out of the fucking car. So now we, uh, I have to take the 101 to the 405 and then take that down. And it turns out she goes, oh my God, I can't, I forgot my house key. Oh my God, we got to change the, we got to change the destination. So they were going to one address and then they wind up cutting like six miles off the trip to go to a different address to get the keys. And I'm like, okay, I can just make sure you change it in the app. Otherwise, they'll make me pick people up on this other address. She goes, fine. She changes it up. And I'm like, you know, I'm losing six, seven dollars. 
but you know, are more like $9, but I don't give a fuck. I just want them out of my car at this fucking point. So now we start coming up to the 405. And as I'm pulling up, he just goes, I have to take a pass. He yells it. And they go, oh, my God, Ron, you're so random. You need to, you need to just stop right now. And he goes, no, I mean it. I'm going to go. It's going to happen right now. And I lean over. I'm driving. I'm in traffic. But I lean over and I look at her and I go, if he pisses in the car, it costs you $250. And I'm not kidding. I will pull over and I will throw him into a fucking ravine. And her eyes get really big. And I smile and try to play it off because I realized what I said was probably not the best thing and certainly not because I'm a giant and I leaned over to say it in her face but uh, but now I'm tired of it you know if I would have been in the backside I would have said it right into his fucking ear but I, I just I just looked at her and I go look that's $250 and I will throw him into a fucking ravine she goes oh he won't he won't do it sir but if you could is there a way if you could pull over that would be great if you could and I go I go I'm not pulling over on the freeway he's not he's not pissing on the freeway he goes oh my god I do it all the time just pull over right now I go, I'm not pulling over on the freeway. The world's not your toilet. And uh, and there's like a beat. And then he just goes, oh, I got to take, I have to go so bad. So I, I, I'm i coming to the 405. Luckily, before the 405, there's a, a, a street called Haskell. So I get off at Haskell, but Haskell lets off into a neighborhood. So I pull off the on-ramp and I get, I, or the off-ramp, and I pull up to the stop sign. And he goes, all right, I'm going to get out. I go, no, you're not. I go, dude, I will find an establishment. And she goes, well, I think there's a McDonald's at the end on Ventura Boulevard. I go, that's where I'm heading. I go, whether there's a gas station or a McDonald's. He goes, oh, my God, it's not a big deal. We could just get right back on the freeway if you let me go here. And I go, I go, you're not pissing in somebody's yard. I go, these people have paid for these houses. They don't need you to get off the freeway and piss in their yard. So I drive up the street. I get to Ventura Boulevard. I pull into the McDonald's. And it's a busy McDonald's. There's people in the drive-thru. And right when I pull in, all of the parking is handicapped on the right-hand side. He goes, oh, my God, pull over. Will you just park, please? I go, these are handicapped spots, dude. And he goes, well, just park. And I, so I pulled over, and I didn't even pull into a parking spot. I just pulled over in between the, 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 the regular spots and the handicapped spots. And I just threw it in parking. All right, go ahead, man. We'll wait. And he gets out of the car, and I see it, and I fucking know what he's doing and I see it and he gets out of the fucking car and I see him he doesn't go into McDonald's he goes around my car over to the parking lot and he just pisses in the fucking McDonald's parking lot people there getting food people in the drive-thru people are parked there and I see him when he goes around the when he goes around the trunk I see him in my fucking window and and I know exactly what he's doing he's He's disrespecting me. He's pissed off that I told him to calm down. He's pissed off that I wouldn't let him have his way. Uh, I know this kid. He's entitled. He's rich. I know the type. And he just, and he thinks he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And he gets out to piss in the fucking parking lot. And the two girls are there. And I go, what the fuck is he doing? And Marianne looks and she goes, oh my God, Ron, what are you? And I go, what the fuck? I go, I go, your friend's a fucking animal. Who does he think he is? And she goes, oh, my God, I'm really sorry. And the two girls get out of the car and they go, Ron, what are you doing? You need to, you need to get back in the car. And he's like, I told you I had to go so bad. I had, and, I, and I look at them and I go, you know what? I should just fucking leave him here. I should literally leave him here. I will take you guys where you want to go, but I want to fucking leave him here right now. And, and now I'm upset and I shouldn't be because, again, why am I mad at them? I'm mad at him, not them. But it's because I feel disrespected because I feel in the moment I'm being I, – I feel that there's nothing I can do. The only thing I can do is kick them out and leave them there. But also at the same fucking time, you know, I, I, I still got another 28 bucks to make. And the, if you've ever come to a 
point where you've got to fucking take the 28 bucks, man. It's, it's not good. It's not, it's not good. But I made the choice. So I said to him, and I go, fuck. I go, I should fucking leave him here. And they go, Ron, our Uber driver's really, really pissed at you right now. And he's like, I told him I need to go to the bathroom. And I go, I go, girls, Marianne. She looks at me and I go, get in the car. She goes, are you sure? I go, get in the car. Well, I'm fine. We'll go. She goes, well, we can't leave him here. And I go, I won't leave him there. I go, just you guys get in the car. Because I calm down and I realize, you know, I'm, I'm yelling at them and they didn't do anything. It's not their fault. Their friend's off the fucking leash. So they get in the car. And then he finishes and he comes walking over and he goes, ah, finally. And he goes to get in my car and I go, stop. And he goes, excuse me. And I look out the window and I go, stop. You're not getting in the car. And they go, you said you weren't going to leave him here. And I go, I'm not. I look at him and I go, go wash your hands. And he looks at me and he goes, what are you, what are you talking about? I go, go in the restaurant and wash your hands. You're not getting in my car until you wash your hands. And he goes, oh, my God, like, who, who are you to tell me about that? And the girls go, will you just go wash your hands, Ron, so we can leave, please? And he looks at me and I go, I'm serious. Go wash your hands. And he stares at me. And I can see, like, all the blood leave his face because he realizes I'm not fucking around, man. And he also realizes he's lost. I mean, he might have pissed in the fucking parking lot and had his triumph and spiked his football and done his dance, but I, I, I can fucking leave him there if I want. And I, I now have his friends on my side, so I win. I win because they're like, just go, oh my god, just go, Ron, just wash your hands, please. Oh my god, just go wash your hands. And uh, his whole face goes blank, and he slumps his shoulders, and he turns around, and he goes in a fucking McDonald's. And I watch, I watch him because I watch him walk all down the, through the fucking windows and I watch him go in the fucking bathroom. Now, look, do I see him wash his fucking hands? No. Would it, would it shock me if he went in there and was like, fuck that guy. I'm not washing my fucking hands. Of course it wouldn't. doesn't matter. I made him, I made him make the fucking walk of suds. That's all I fucking cared about. He comes out. And also, I should tell you this. You know, he got in the car and he sat behind me immediately. And I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't take any note. I just heard him being loud and aggressive and shouting. And when I looked at him and I told him to go in and wash his hands, I finally got to actually see the kid in the light. Jesus, this kid was beautiful. I mean, he, he just, he looked like a young Nicolas Cage, but with five inch eyelashes. It's like, it's like if Nicolas Cage fucked Thumper from Bambi, that's what this kid looked like. Jesus Christ. I mean, and just like gorgeous eyes and fucking eyelashes. And I'm just like, man, you look like that. And, and you've got to act like that. Do you know how ugly you must be on the inside if you're this beautiful out and I hate you? So he finally makes his way out of the fucking restaurant and, and takes his time, walks shoulders slumped Michael Sarah style, but gets in the car. And uh, closes the door. Doesn't doesn't slam it. Just gets in the car. And I go, all right, we're all in. Everybody ready? You want to crank the music up again? Let's roll. Because I won. Fuck him. And I look in the rearview mirror, and he's staring right at me. Big fucking beautiful eyes, lashes fluttering, and I'm, I'm staring right at him. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not going to drop my gaze from this kid. I don't give a fuck if I upset you or embarrassed you. This is my fucking house. You can't come in here and fucking disrespect my house. And I stared. 
you know, it took a couple miles to get back on the freeway and there was like three traffic lights and every traffic light I stopped and I looked right in the rearview mirror and he was looking right at me and I was staring right at him. I wouldn't leave his gaze. I drove and I kept staring. I looked and I copped a look, but I, I kept one eye in the fucking rearview mirror and he was staring at me, trying to stare me down and I was staring at him. And I don't know if he was just trying to figure me out or trying to figure out his opening to say something or do something, but I never left his fucking gaze and I drove and I got on the freeway and finally he leaned back and he just closed his eyes and he went to sleep. And the rest of the ride was just me and Marianne talking to her friend and rap music and it was peaceful. And I dropped him off and I fully expected him to say some shit to me. You know, I went the last 20 miles. I actually went for them to stop and she went in to get her house key and she came back out. She was very nice. We went and I took them to their house and uh, I fully expected him to say he never engaged me once. He never looked at me again. He never said anything. Got out of the car, didn't slam the door. And, uh, and I feel good. Fuck it. I can't lie. I feel good that I fucking won, that I admonished him, that I made him behave, that I was probably the first person ever in the history of the kid's life to tell him he was doing the wrong fucking thing. Because again, he hangs out with friends who enable him. They let him yell. They let him shout. They let him just be, cause he's outrageous. Oh, so outrageous. Well, dude, I'm 51 years old. I've seen outrageous. I've been outrageous. I've punched outrageous. You're not fucking fooling me. But still, that shame, that disrespect, that shame was inside me because I was doing something I didn't want to do and I had to... I didn't have to tolerate them. I could have let out and kicked them out any fucking time, but I'm also trying to be better. I'm trying to not let my self-image, my being upset, my anger overtake me in those moments. And, uh, and, and I didn't want to strand those girls. I mean, I was cause I mean, honestly, I wanted to just take the girls. If they would have said, yeah, let's leave him here. I would have gotten the fuck out of there. I'm not going to lie to you guys. But in the moment, uh, you know, I, I bit my lip and I soldiered on because again, as I've mentioned before, our, our good friend, Richard Marks will tell you when you're trying to make a living, there ain't no such thing as pride. And, uh, and I still felt the shame and I still felt upset and I was still mad and sad and all of those things. But you know what? It lasts as long as the next ride. And I grab the next ride, and he seems like a nice guy, and he's fun. I bring him to the bank, and he thanks me for it. And, and most people are good. You realize most people are good. And then I wound up in Venice, down near the beach, which I like. I like actually driving near the beach. Uh, occasionally, if I can cheat it really late at night, I'll wind up down on Speedway just to hear the ocean with the windows open. It reminds me of a lot of things in my life. I never cared about the ocean or the beach until about five years ago. And now it means a whole lot of different things to me. Some good, some bad. But whenever I'm down there, I take the opportunity to roll the windows down and at least smell it. I used to always get out and film it. I'd always take a video clip and text it. I just, I loved the ocean so much. Uh, and I still do. But it, it also, it's, it's, it's a fucking dagger too. But I, I still... Every time I'm down there, I roll the windows down, I smell it. I love the air. I love hearing just the waves crashing in, in the middle of the night, seeing the moon. I mean, I just, I just, there's, it's just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So I'm in Venice and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of late. It's like 1240. And I get pinged by a guy on Maine. There's a bar that's really popular on Maine and I come around and uh, it's not super busy, but there's one dude. His name's Tanner. And I pull up and uh, Tanner's had a few. You know, but he's not in any real danger. And he gets in the car and I go, hey, man, what's happening? He's like, how are you? And I slide the thing and it turns out we're going to North Hollywood, which is fine with me. We're leaving the beach and we're going uh, up to the area where I live, basically in the valley. 
which means I can take rides from the valley or I can head to Hollywood very easily and start working bar time because it is 1240 by the time this ride is over. It'll be like 115 and I'll be able to jump right into the bars in, in West Hollywood and stuff. So Tanner gets in the car. And he goes, uh, you know, he's a nice guy. I go, I give him the speech about the heat, the whatever, the music. And he's nice. And he says, uh, you know, I, I, I just got to apologize to you because uh, I know how rude it is to talk on the phone. I go, well, uh, why are you apologizing to me? He goes, because I'm about to talk on the phone. <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. I go, well, dude, don't fucking worry about it. That's fine. I'll turn the radio down. He goes, oh, no, you listen to the radio. You do whatever you want to do. I go, dude, make your phone call. It's totally fine. So I listened to Tanner as he spills out his night and he had come down with a college buddy to play wingman while his girlfriend dog sat in another city. And he was disappointed that Mike didn't close the deal because he could have been able to have a place to crash while he was in town. But now he's heading back to North Hollywood. And, uh, you know, it's funny to hear people describe their nights. And uh, he didn't say anything outrageous. He didn't say anything out of the ordinary. I did. I did think it was interesting that he had come down just to be a guy's wingman so he could close the deal on some pussy, which was interesting to me. I didn't I mean, I guess I didn't think that sort of thing really still happened. Uh, but it's because I'm old. You know what I mean? I'm not wingman for anybody anymore. Uh, so Tanner and I are driving. We're on the 10, and then we wind up on the, uh, you know, heading up at the 405. And uh, he talks on his phone call, and I've got the radio. I'm kind of listening a little bit, but mainly his call's going on. I'm just concentrating on driving. I'm just planning my night again. Uh, I Travis Bickle it. You know, I just settle into the car, and I just, I'm single minded a purpose. And uh, you know what, thought? Gets me through a lot of the nights. This is really ridiculous, but totally true. I'll drive by a 7-Eleven and I'll have the lottery sign out there. And it'll say that the Mega Millions is 100 million and the Powerball is 170 million. And I will oftentimes spend 30 minutes to an hour dreaming of what I would do if I won one or both in a week. And I know down to the fucking second, the first things I would do, where I would go, who I would call, what I would do. It's, it's ridiculous. But I love to play that scenario out in my head and the first place I would travel to and where I would go and the things I would do and see. And, uh, and that gets me through a lot of the, uh, a lot of the ride, <laughs> a lot of the night as I'm driving. So Tanner's talking, we're on the four Oh five. And then he hangs up the phone call. He's like, I'm really sorry about that. I said, don't worry. He goes, Hey, can I change my destination? I said, uh, of course you can, but you got to do it in the app because otherwise it's going to make me pick up people in North Hollywood. He goes, no problem. I hope you're not mad about this. And I go, no. And he goes, I used to drive for Uber and I hated when people changed the destination. I go, dude, I, everybody's got to go home. It doesn't matter to me. Just tell me where we're going. That's totally fine. I'm in. He goes, great. Uh, I, you know, I also think I didn't even finish when I was telling you about, uh, about Marianne. Um, I mentioned I had to stop and get her house key. So they actually added the trip. Like I, I went, I, they kept. I took them to their final destination. So I did make that extra nine bucks. So that was, it was, it was worth it to make nine bucks. How terrible am I? Why am I going back and telling you that now? Who cares? But Tanner changes his destination from Hollywood to Santa Clarita, which adds about 18 more miles to the trip. So I'm fine. But the thing is, that's going to take me into Santa Clarita at bar time. And again, now I'm far away from Hollywood. I can turn the app off and head down to where I know it's busy. Or I can just try to buzz around fucking Santa Clarita and try to make some money. I don't know. But as we're driving, uh, he's a you know, nice kid. He's telling me about his girlfriend. She's dog sitting and he doesn't know where she is. But, but he's got this address. It's close to a park. So we wind up in a subdivision and we're looking and we're driving and we're doing, again, same thing, cul-de-sacs and circling. And I said, dude, it says we're here. He goes, well, we're not here. It's, it's this park, but I think it might be on the other side of the park. So you have to go. And I'm like, all right, man. So, uh, and again, he's a very nice guy and he was super cool and apologetic. And he's like, I used to drive Uber. I go, so that's fine. We're in this together. Let's figure it out. So I pull out of the subdivision. I make a left and I go around. I'm, I'm chasing the 
pin, and then I see a, a sign that I sort of recognize. I throw it in Google Maps, and I turn left, and uh, and we, we find our way. And I go into another cul-de-sac, and it turns out it's basically the same distance. It's equidistant from the pin from the previous location, but now we're on the street we need to be on, and he knows exactly where he's going. Now, as that's happening, I get pinged for another ride. So I accept it, and it's at a 1.6 surge because I'm like, well, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to go ahead and make some money. I pull up to let him out, and he's like, you know what? I'm not sure if this is it. I go, Tanner, I, you know, I don't mean to be this guy, uh, but it is bar time, and I just accepted another ride. So I'll, I'll try to get you as close to your location as I can. He goes, well, no, I totally understand. I just want to be you know, just dropped off. I go, dude, I'm not going to drop you off in the middle of nowhere, but we, we need to kind of hustle a little bit. I go, this says this is the street, and this is the address you wanted. He goes, yeah, but it doesn't look familiar. Uh, but this park definitely looks familiar. I go, Tanner, I know. Uh, and I don't want to just drop you off in the dark here. I go, you know, but if you can text your girl and find out exactly where it is, he goes, oh yeah, you know, that's a good idea. And then as he's saying that the phone lights up and he gets a text from his girl, giving him the address. And it turns out we're right there. And he's like, oh, oh, you know, I'm here. We're here. It's great. I just, it must, in the daytime, it looks a lot different. I go, great, Tanner. I got to go pick somebody else up, man. He's like, thanks. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Take care. Good luck tonight. You know, stay safe. I go, you stay safe too. And I, I drive off. I make a bunch of right-hand turns, a bunch of left-hand turns, get out of this subdivision, and I start rolling. And it turns out I'm going to Valencia, which is near Santa Clarita. Now, I should also tell you, Santa Clarita, Valencia, these are uh, also rich areas. These are people with money. So uh, in my head, I'm hoping, I go, well, maybe this is a house party or something. Or maybe it's just somebody going home from work. Who knows? But sure enough, I pull in. It's, it's by a big shopping center. And it turns out I'm going to the Lazy Dog Saloon. So I pull up and it is a fucking madhouse. It is, it is various people out there. They're just, they're yelling and they're pointing and they're all waiting for Ubers and Lyfts and they've been kicked out of the bars. So, but the party is still continuing in the, in the street. As you know, if you've ever gone to a nightclub, everybody spills outside and then they're all just kind of out there talking and milling around until the cops tell them to go home or their Ubers pick them up because they're all too drunk to fucking drive. So in my head, I'm like, all right, well, I hope this isn't a fucking mess. It would be, it would be great if this was okay. And, uh, it turns out I'm picking up Kevin. So I pull up and uh, I, I'm sitting there and I, I, you know, again, five minutes, two minutes after the two minutes, I'm going to make a phone call. So the two minutes are ticking off. I'm waiting. People are yelling. Girls are yelling. A guy comes out. He pours like a bottle of water over a girl's head and everybody laughs and goes crazy. And then she shakes her tits like she's in a wet t-shirt contest. And I'm like, this is fun. Look at Valencia and all the fucking great times they're having. I want to get the fuck out of here. Uh, but I wait for Kevin and then sure enough, uh, you know, I always keep my doors locked because oftentimes at these drunk fests, uh, someone will just get in your fucking car. Uh, I had it happen. I was driving some girls from Loyola Marymount university and they got in my car and I go, okay, where are we heading? I slide the thing and a guy comes up and goes, bam, 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 and knocks on my trunk. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And it turns out he's like, oh, sorry, wrong car. I'm like, there's no good car to do that to man. And the girls were like, oh, wow. Are you okay? And I go, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, guy punches my car. It's a little thing. So, I mean, that, that happens all the time where people just get in your car and they're not your passenger. So sure enough, I, uh, I, I, I'm sitting there waiting. The two minutes is up. And then a dude just walks up and he tries to open my front door. And, uh, and I go, Kevin? And he goes, yeah, Kevin, are you, you're Michael, right? And I go, yeah. And so I open the door and he gets in the front seat and he's drunk. But uh, he doesn't seem like super inebriated, but he is, he's definitely had a few. He's drunker than Tanner was, but probably not as drunk as Ron was. So he gets in the front seat. He goes, how's it going, man? I go, good. I go, we out of here? And he goes, no, no. He goes, I got two more coming. I go, all right. Are they, are they, you know, like we got a, we got a roll. I go, and I go, your guys are going to, and it turns out they were going like eight miles. 
And uh, what I want to do, again, at bar time is I want to drive as quickly as I possibly can, drop them the fuck off so I can get another bar time ride because that's when you make your goddamn money, everybody. So uh, he gets in. He's like, no, man, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to wait for these guys. And I go, okay, that's great. I go, but you've got, uh, we've got like two more minutes. He goes, well, no, they're coming. You know, my buddy's getting some water. And I go, that's fine. I go, I just, we, you know, it's bar time. I got to hustle. He's like, oh, I get it, dude. I totally got it. You got to make you all the money you can make. And Kevin is probably, you know, he's like maybe five, seven, a little guy. He looks like Sean Green. That's what he looks like. Uh, or I apologize, Seth Green, <laughs> right? Sean Green used to play for the Dodgers. And he's like six, six. This guy looks like Seth Green, a little fucking uh, guy. Who, uh, he was an entourage, right? He fucking robot chicken. So he gets in the front seat. And we're talking, and he's like, my buddy's getting, he's getting some water. And I go, okay. I go, why is he getting water? Because he's thirsty, or is, is he going to be okay? And he goes, oh, we're fine, man. We're fine. I go, how are you doing? He goes, what do you mean? I go, you're, you've been drinking. Are you sick? He goes, oh, no, dude, I'm totally fine. I'm good. I go, well, you're, you've had a few. And he goes, oh, I'm drunk, but I'm not going to be sick. I go, all right, I'm just letting you know. It's $250 charge if you wind up getting sick in the car. And he goes, oh, I know, bro. We've been through that. I, I, got no, I don't want to do that again. I go, you who've been through it. I go, you and these guys. He goes, oh yeah, absolutely. Our buddy just fucking threw up. Uh, it was like three weeks ago. And I go, all right, look, man, you guys can't throw up in my car. He goes, no, we learned our lesson, man. It's not gonna happen. I go, all right. So in the meantime, two guys come over. One guy gets in the seat behind Kevin, and the guy with the water gets in the seat behind me. So I got three guys in my car, and I go, all right, how we doing? And the guy behind Kevin is like, we're good, sir. Did you get the address? And I go, I did. And Kevin's like, ah, we're we're ready to go. You guys ready to go? And then the guy behind me goes, uh. Don't, uh, don't, don't drive too fast. And I go, all right, why not? And he goes, well, I'm holding a cup of water. I go, great. But I, I know just from talking to him, this guy is fucking loaded. And I go, are you going to be okay? He goes, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, that's why I got water so I can sip water. So I'm okay. He goes, but don't drive too fast because there's not a lid on it. I go, all right. I look at Kevin. I go, Kevin, this is in your name. And he goes, I oh, know. And I go, all right, if this dude throws up in my car, it would be extremely bad, and it's going to cost you 250 bucks. And he goes, no, he's not, he's not going to throw up, I promise. Are you going to throw up, bro? Are you going to throw up, bro? No, I'm not, and I'm not going to throw up again. I go, again? He goes, yeah, I told you, we, did, we went through this a few weeks ago. And I go, dude, listen, seriously, you got to be honest with me. I can't drive if you're going to throw up. And he goes, we're going to be fine. Are you going to be fine? He goes, yeah, I'm going to be fine. I said, all right, all right. Now, I should tell you, like I said, Kevin's drunk. The guy behind Kevin is sober, and the guy behind me is super fucking drunk. So I'm in the middle of fucking Valencia at the Lazy Dog Cafe. And I've got the three bears of drunk in my car. I mean, I've got Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and Baby Bear. And one of them is ready to just fucking vomit honey all over my backseat. And I'm like, oh man, please don't. Eight miles, please fucking don't. But I take their word for it. He goes, no, man, we're fine, bro. I promise. So I start driving. I go, all right, well, let's just fucking hustle. And he goes, well, yeah, but don't drive too fast. I won't drive too fast. He's holding the fucking cup like a raccoon clutching dog food. Just like got it up around his lips. Like he's actually blowing on it like it's hot tea. It's like, what the fuck, man? So I start driving. I just want to, all I want to do now is get these motherfuckers out of my car. But again, they're being nice. They're not being rude or mean. It's just, they've been drinking. So I'm driving. And I give him the speech. I go, you guys want the radio on? Oh, yeah, man, play some tunes. So I turn some music on. And uh, we get out of the parking lot, and I start. And again, it's Valencia, so there's no freeway, man. It's again, you're on these fucking dark roads because you're up in the fucking hinterlands. And uh, Kevin in the front seat looks at me, and he goes, hey, uh, dude. He goes, you got to do me a favor. I go, what is it? He goes, can you stop at Taco Bell? There's a Taco Bell right where we're going. I go, dude, your buddy is saying he's going to fucking throw up. He goes, he's not going to throw up, I promise. He goes, I will tip you cash. 
I go, you'll tip me cash before I go to Taco Bell? He goes, bro, I got it right in my pocket. Before, right when we get there, I'll give you the cash. I go, all right, well, money talks. I go, if you want to go to Taco Bell, that's fine. I can handle that. Because at this point, like I said, I'm in fucking Valencia. What am I going to do? I, I, I don't figure I'm going to be doing a ton of bar time rides. Um, but, you know, he's being a nice guy. And I'm trying to be nice just to calm them the fuck down because they're, you know, again, he's drunk. So I'm like, yeah, I go, I got no problem with that. If you want to tip me cash, then that's fine. He goes, all right, bro. Yeah, I definitely got you. I definitely got you. And the guy, the drunk dude behind me, Baby Bear, just goes, uh, I, I can't. You can't stop. And Kevin goes, come on, bro. We can totally stop. He goes, I can't stop. I'm going to throw up. And I go, all right, that's the third time now he's talked about throwing up. You've got to tell me if he's going to throw up. And he looks at him and he goes, hey, man, don't be a bitch. You're not going to fucking throw up, man. And the guy in the back seat goes, I'm not a bitch, but I'm not, I just don't feel good. I just want to go home. And he goes, yeah, but you're being a bitch right now. And he goes, I'm not being a bitch. And the sober guy goes, guys, guys, come on. All right, we're almost there. Relax. Now, we're not almost there. We're still like six miles away. So I'm driving. And uh, Kevin's like, we got to get Taco Bell, bro. I just, I'm fucking starving. We got to get some Taco Bell. And, you know, the driver's cool. And, you know, it's gonna, I'm going to tip him cash. And, you know, Taco Bell's on me. And his buddy, I can see him in the mirror. He's nursing this water like, it, like it's a fucking thing of cough syrup and he just he's just like i can't i can't have i can't have any i can't have taco bell i can't i can't he just keeps saying it i can't i can't stop i can't and he goes bro don't be a fucking bitch man i'm telling you right now we're just getting some fucking taco bunny and then he's like i'm not a bitch man he screams it and then kevin starts screaming him and i go hey and then it's silent because i yell and i go enough all right nobody's a bitch we're fine if he's going to throw up, you need to tell me. And he goes, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I go, are you fine, Kevin? He goes, I'm fine. I go, no more fighting. I go, we'll go to Taco Bell if you want. I go, but I can't have you guys scream into my car. All right, bro. We didn't, we just, I just want to make sure everybody's, he's on point. I just want to make sure he's on point. I go, all right. I go, are you on point? Yeah, I'm on point. I go, all right. He's on point. We'll get you Taco Bell. Go another couple of miles. So I said, finally, about three miles from the destination. I go, hey, where is this Taco Bell? Because we're in the middle of nowhere. He goes, oh, it's it, like there's nothing here. But once we get to our house, it's like really right on the corner. So that's why it's even better. He goes, if anything, he goes, if you just go through the drive-thru, maybe you can even just drop us off, man. I go, you know what? That would work. If we could just buy the food, I'll take you through the drive-thru and then you can just drop. And he goes, yeah, we'll walk from there, bro, whatever. And fucking baby bear just goes, I, I can't. And uh, Kevin goes, oh, man, don't be a fucking bitch. And I go, no screaming. And he goes, I can't. You got to. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. And I go, right now? He goes, I'm going to throw up right now. And I go, fuck that. I go, you're not throwing up in my car. Sorry, guys. And I pull over. And it's a dark two-lane street with one street light. I get to the one street light. I turn around. I go over. And they go, don't just dump us off here, man. And I go, no. I go over the railroad tracks. And then I pull around the corner. And, uh, and now we're safe on a dark street. And I go, guys, you got to get out. And he goes, all right, bro, relax. He goes, he's, he's going to go throw up and then we'll just, we'll be fine. And, you know, he's got to stop at Taco Bell. I go, Kevin, listen. And meanwhile, the, kid, the dude, the drunk dude, Baby Bear, just gets out of the car. He gets out. He's like, uh, uh. And I, I don't hear him throw up. I don't see him throw up. But he gets out and he's like moaning. So he gets out and the sober guy goes, all right, calm down. It's okay. We're okay. You're stopped now. You're okay. And uh, I look at sober. I go, did he fucking Mama Bear? Did he th- <laughs> well, I didn't call him Mama Bear. I go, Mama Bear, did he, th- did he throw up in the fucking car? He goes, no, he's fine. I don't think he threw up. So Kevin goes, relax, bro. It's fine. He's going to go take care of it, and then we'll just go. I go, Kevin, man, this ride's over. What do you mean, man? I go, Kevin, the ride's over. I go, four times you warn me a guy's going to puke. I go, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fucking vomit chauffeur. He goes, well, yeah, but you don't understand, bro. He's going to fucking take care of it now, and then he can just take us over to talk about it. I go, no, Kevin, you don't understand. You tell me once you're going to throw up and I still take it, that's on me, okay? 
you tell me four times and I don't fucking drop you off, then I'm the stupidest man alive. You gotta, you guys are done. This ride's over. You gotta call somebody else. Kevin's still in my front seat. I can see in the rearview mirror the guy's in the back of the trunk. A sober guy's patting him on the back. The dude's just like sipping his water. And Kevin looks at me and he goes, fuck you, bro. And I look at him and I go, excuse me? And he goes, fuck you, man. You're a fucking bitch, man. You're going to leave us out here in the fucking dark, man? I go, Kevin, get the fuck out of my car. He goes, fuck you. You're a fucking bitch. You fucking, you think you're going to fucking leave us? You fucking picked us up and now you're going to fucking leave us on the goddamn fucking street? You think I'm going to get a fucking Uber in the middle of the fucking night out here in the fucking dark? I go, hey, man, control your boy and you wouldn't need to fucking get out of my car. But now you need to get the fuck out of my car or I'm going to drag you out of my fucking car. Because you don't talk to me like that. And also... I've been cool up to this point. I've dealt with you guys screaming at one another. I've dealt with your bro bullshit bitch. You're a bitch nonsense. I've dealt with this guy sipping water like a fucking Cindy Lou Who looking child in the fucking bed before the Grinch steals everything. And I'm going to fucking tolerate you yelling at me. I'm like, fuck, get the fuck out of my car. Get out. And he's, you're a fucking bitch, bro. You're a fucking bitch. I go, get out of the car, Kevin. Out. Fucking Out. And he goes, fuck you. I'm giving you fucking one star. You know what? I'm giving you fucking zero stars. And the sober dude walks over and he goes, Kevin, you got to calm down. He goes, fuck this guy. He's fucking leaving us here. And the sober guy goes, I don't blame him. He's leaving us. It's fine. We're, we're good. We'll be okay. We'll get another Uber. I'll order one. I'll pay for it. He goes, fuck you. And he leans in. And he goes, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm giving you fucking one fucking zero stars. And I go, Kevin, enough. And he fucking grabs my car door and he slams it as hard as he can. Like fucking hard I mean I've had people do it before I told you it's when that chick took a shit on the street her boyfriend did it but shame man shame at what I'm doing disrespect from people I don't know kindness and courteousness I've shown strangers just thrown back in my fucking face and they're getting angry at me because they're they're the ones who are gonna fucking throw up they're the ones who are they're, they're, they're in the wrong but try to tell drunk people they're fucking wrong. He slams my door and all of it just fucking wells up inside me. Him in my face, pointing in my face, calling me a bitch, telling me to fuck off. He's going to fuck. And I, I, and I, uh, I've done really hard work on myself for the past five fucking years. You know, uh, I've told stories on this show of me storming around in a bank and intimidating everybody in the fucking joint. I've, I've had separate fights in post offices, post office parking lots where I got into a dude's face. Uh, I've, I've had to like last week I was just in the middle of chaos vibrating. And, and my first thought was I, uh, I need to get out of here rather than just diving headlong into it. I was in a mall with Karen and a fist fight broke out and we just kept walking. Normally I would dive into that shit. But if you look me in the eyes and you bro me to death and you call me a bitch and you slam my fucking door and you know what? Fuck you, man. Fuck you. And I know that's me saying fuck you to myself too because I've put myself in this situation, but but guess what? Fucking old Mike showed up. I put the car in park. I opened the fucking car door and I, I closed it. I came around the fucking car. The fucking three drunk bears are doing whatever the fuck they're doing. They're yelling at one another. They're yelling at the vomit kid and whatever. And I come around the fuck. I go, hey, you slam my fucking door. And they freeze because now I'm real. 
I come around the fucking car. Now, Kevin, he just mean mugging me. And I'm, I'm, I look now, I look like I'm a foot taller than this motherfucker. So I come around the corner and the sober dude is between me and him. And I come around and I take a step and the sober guy puts his hands on my chest and I go, don't fucking touch me. And he goes, we're cool. We're cool, man. We're cool. Kevin's behind him, mean mugging me, thinking that if he stares me down, I'll leave because he's not moving. He's not taking a step. He's just standing there rooted to the spot because again, the television has come to life. The sober guy's between me and him and that's it. That's all. That's the only thing between us. That and the sliver of my brain that tells me this isn't a good idea. But at that point, I'm ignoring that motherfucker because I storm the fuck out and I'm like, stay the fuck away from me, man. Stay the fuck away from me. Don't fucking touch me. He goes, it's okay. My hands are off you. I'm cool. He goes, just, we're good. We're good. Just go ahead, sir. Sir, you can go ahead and leave. Fuck you leave. You fucking slam my door. I fucking going to take you to Taco Bell. I'm being fucking nice. I give you a fucking ride. I'm polite to all you motherfuckers and you're fucking shitting on me in my own fucking car. And Kevin is just staring at me. The sober guy's like, sir, you got to calm down. You got to calm down. The other drunk dude has now got an armor on Kevin's chest. Like he's holding him back from what? From getting fucking screamed at? And I'm like, yeah, you better fucking hold him back. He takes one fucking step and I'm going to fucking murder that kid. I'm not fucking joking. And I mean, I'm drooling. I mean, as I'm talking, drool is coming out of my mouth and I can feel it and spit is flying. I, I'm, I'm in, I'm seeing nothing but that kid's mean mugging face as he's staring at me and I want nothing more than, because in my head, I'm on a dark fucking street, man. I'm on a dark fucking street. There's three fucking dudes and in my head, I'm like, well, sober wants no part of me. I can just fucking push him into the fucking ditch. I'll punch drunk, uh, you know, fucking baby bear in the stomach and he'll fucking throw up and then I will just fucking climb on Kevin and elbow him and elbow him and elbow him and until he never talks right again. And I'm standing there and sober's in front of me and he's got his hands up in the air like he's fucking getting held up and I'm like, stay the fuck away from me. You don't fucking come near me. You don't touch my fucking car. You don't touch me. Who the fuck do you think you are, man? I should have fucking dumped you out on the fucking street two miles ago. Kevin's staring. I'm staring and I'm drooling and spit is flying. And drunk guy takes his arm off of Kevin And turns around and bends over because he's feeling sick. And Kevin takes a step toward me. And that was all I fucking needed. He takes a step toward me and I fucking, I go for him. And I take, I take a step forward and and I reach out and the sober guy is like, he's in front of me. He goes, no, sir. And he tries to grab me. And I just fucking, (laughs) I pie face Kevin. Which is, you just, it's when you mush somebody, you just, literally you grab their whole face and you shove them by their head. I fucking, because he leans, he leans forward, like he takes a step and leans, and so I fucking lean and I take two steps and this fucking kid in front of me, he just moves backwards because he's not going to fucking stop me, I'm so fucking mad at this point. And I lean forward and Kevin leans in and I lean forward with my left hand and I fucking pie face this kid and I shove him backwards and he looks up and he doesn't, again, he's not punching me or hitting me, he's just mean mugging me again, thinking he can stare at me because, and I'll run away. So I fucking pie face him and I shove him and he looks up at me again and I grab the fucking collar of his shirt with my left hand and I yank him toward me and I cock my right fist and the sober guy goes, no, sir, please don't. And I, 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 I fucking don't know why I let him go. I let him go. I, I, I heard, please don't. And it just made me, it, it woke me up. Now I'm still standing there and I'm still drooling and I'm like, I'm fucking seething. I'm breathing. I'm breathing through my mouth and spit is flying. And I let go of the kid and the sober kid is like, sir, we're sorry. We're sorry. We'll go. And he turns around. And he looks at Kevin. And he goes, Kevin, we have to get, it's okay. Just let him go. We're fine. And Kevin slaps 
sober mama bear in the face as hard as he can. Just smacks him. Because he had all of this aggression, all this rage, and he has to take it out on somebody, and he knows if he comes near me, he's going to get fucking obliterated. So he hits the sober kid. And the sober kid just goes, all right, Kevin, okay, calm down, calm down now. And when he slapped his friend, it snapped me out of whatever spell I was in. I mean, I had woken up to some degree when he said, no, please don't stop. But now I realized I'm standing on the side of the road with no fucking cameras in the dark, three fucking kids. And I'm out of, I've gotten out of the car. I've, I've stepped into tumult. I've, I've invited chaos like I used to do, like I used to want to do all the time. Like truth be told, I don't mind doing if the situation calls for it, but this situation didn't call for it. I should have just fucking had him get out of the car. He slams the door, roll your eyes and drive the fuck away. But disrespect upon disrespect upon disrespect. Coupled with the shame you have for doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Something you're better than. That's a fucking hell brew, man. That, that, that's a cocktail you don't want to choke down. And when you choke it down every goddamn night, it, it's, it's like ashes in your fucking mouth. So he smacks him and the kid takes the shot and just like, Kevin, okay, calm down. We're good. We're good. And I wake up and I just realize I'm literally covered in spit. Like my face, my, my fucking hoodie has drool on it. And I just, I look at these kids and I go, you slapped your fucking friend. And Kevin just mean mugs me and they just do their three stooges fucking trip of yelling at one another and eye pokes and slaps and fucking, I just, I turn around and I just, I get in the car. And I drive away. I take a breath. I just drive to the end of the block where it's completely dark and I park because I have to file a report on this. You know, I mean, I I can't. And I even wrote in the report, I go, look, I got out of the car. I shouldn't have, but I got out of the car to confront these guys for damaging my vehicle. And, and, uh, and then I, you know, I thought better of it after the altercation and I got back in the car and left. And, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to get my bearings typing sitting in the fucking dark. And the only way out, by the way, is I have to go past them. I mean, it's the only fucking way out. So in my head, I don't know if there's going to be like a pile of dead dudes in a ditch or they're going to fucking throw a cinder block at the car. I got no fucking idea. So I take 10 minutes and I type out this fucking report and I send it. And then uh, I drink some water. I take a deep breath and I go, man, you got to fucking go at some point. So I drive out and, uh, and they're gone. So, so much for your bullshit about not being able to get an Uber in the middle of the goddamn night, you dick. And I drove, uh, <laughs> drove another six hours. Um, but I mean, my shirt was wet for a good hour and a half from the fucking drool and spit that came flying out of my mouth like a goddamn demon horse as I was fucking ready to kill these kids, ready to kill them. One in particular, the other two I didn't give a fuck, but that one kid foot shorter than me slamming my door fucking just just and again it shouldn't matter it doesn't matter you know i come back to jeffrey owens he's telling us he's like you know what there's no shame in any job there's no shame in making a living and i know that in my head and in my heart i know that 
I've talked about it before. When you're trying to make a living, there's no such thing as pride. There's no shame in bringing money in and putting food on the table. There's no shame in paying your bills. There's no shame in doing whatever you need to do to survive. But that's not completely right. There's no shame in any job. Except for the shame you already bring to the table. And it's up to you. Whenever you leave the house, you can grab that name tag. You can grab your car keys. But do your best to leave that shame behind. You guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can be my friends at Facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can follow me at Twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. Hey, I'm on Snapchat and Instagram. Did you know that? Of course you did. Uh, you can find me there at Mike40YOB. That's Mike40YOB at Snapchat and Instagram. Uh, find me at all those places. I'm the best. I'm there. I'm lurking and I'm fun. Uh, I haven't posted anything in a while, but I'm still there. It's great. Uh, Ryan Dirks does all the web stuff for this show. You can check out our buddy Ryan. He's available at uh, facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. Be his friend, be his pal. Tell him you love him and all the cool things he does for this show. Giovanni Giorgio Peluso is a good guy. He does a lot of cool stuff for us. And he's like, hey, Mike, you don't need to plug me. And I'm like, dude, you do some work for me. You're a nice guy. You reach out, you help me out. So, uh, of course, I'm going to plug you. Why wouldn't I do something like that? So um, let's talk about his, he's got, you know, all of the old Loveline episodes that he's revamped. He's in charge of doing all that cool stuff. If you like old Loveline, check it out and just know that he's done his, uh, his life's work slaving and laboring over those old love lines to try to bring them to you in a, in a listenable capacity. Uh, he's also available in, uh, on, on the web at his own podcast, the geo get it on podcast. That's pretty cool. And, uh, and then he's got the pod gods podcast, which he does as well every week. Uh, or I think he's only doing that twice a week now, but still, uh, and also there's his, uh, Oh my God, I forgot his YouTube channel name, you know what? I'll figure it out on the other side and I'll plug it. Um, because he does, he has a YouTube channel that he wants you guys to subscribe to as well, but he's, uh, you can find his podcast, the geo, get it on podcast. That's pretty cool. And, uh, and his other podcast presence, but also the love line stuff. That's our friend Giovanni Giorgio Peluso. Also find him at facebook.com slash Giovanni Giorgio Peluso. And, uh, and you'll be happy. You'll be glad that you did. Uh, you know, David Hernandez is the coolest. He's the guy who does all of the cool ass artwork for this show. He does, uh, amazing things. And, uh, uh, you know, you should just find him, find him at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez and tell him, Hey man, all the art and the music that you do for that fucking show is the best. And he'll say, of course it is. And, uh, and then he'll chuckle. Ha ha ha. That doesn't seem like a chuckle. That seems like a laugh, but you can find David Hernandez at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez and be his friend there. Or you can go to artbydmh.com and find him there. And when you're there, why not browse and peruse his store and look at all the cool things he has for sale? Like what you say? Well, like paintings, uh, he's got Valscapes, he's got Gaikons, he's got pieces that he's already done that are for sale now, and you can browse those on the website, but also if you want him to do custom artwork for you, he's the fucking guy. That's the, he's the only guy, uh, you know, go on the internet. Nobody else is doing artwork for you. Everybody else is some bullshit cockamamie story that they give you. Max is like, yeah, of course I'll do your artwork if you pay. That's another thing you got to pay. Please don't think you're going to get there for free. But the point is, if you go to artbydmh.com, you can see existing pieces. If you see something cool, you can grab it and put it in your house. Uh, and then you know, I would say, and then not, or no, no ors here. I was gonna say you can get cu- the, the, the existing pieces or you can have them do something custom. Fuck that man. Buy all of the existing pieces 
and have him do some custom stuff for you. I make him your personal artist. Well, don't do that because then he has no time for me. But do your best to reach out to him and get him to do some uh, existing stuff for you and some cool stuff for you. Um, and like I said, maybe he'll even make you a clay ashtray. Maybe he'll make you something with a kiln. Who knows how he handles his business? You'll know. If you go to artbydmh.com and you find him there and request some sort of special project that he wants to fill for you, that's artbydmh.com, A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. I hear my phone a-pinging, but I don't want to go. I'm sick of when the fucktards change my radio. I'm stuck in Uber prison. And time keeps dragging on But the drunks keep a-calling Until the break of dawn When I was just a baby My mama told me, son This is where I keep my pot And no, you can't have none But I punched a dude in Tahoe Just to watch him bleed Man, I'd bet I'd be less violent If mom just shared her weed Fancy hipster bar They're probably wearing knit caps And trying to play guitar Well I wish that I could show them The genius that is me But I'm just their Uber driver And that's what tortures me Sponsors, again? Uh, sponsors would be plural. We don't really have sponsors. We have sponsor, of course, the Paranoid Strain Podcast, which everybody loves and adores. The Paranoid Strain Podcast is available at the iTunes store right now. It's hosted by our good friend Fearful Jesuit. I think his 9-11 show is still up. This, look, this is a guy who does meticulous work. I don't know if you know this about Fearful Jesuit. He and the monks, uh, they actually type out the script for every show on a grain of rice before they record it. So that's why it takes so goddamn long to have a turnaround time. Me, I just open up the microphone and I vomit whatever into it and I just I just open up a vein and bleed all over the place and let you guys get to uh, hear it and listen and enjoy it. Mm, yeah, two of those probably, for sure. I don't know about the third one. Uh, 
Um, but those guys are tapping it out on a rice grain, man. Fuck that. And then they got to try to read it. And he's got to have a special lens. And I mean, if you got to see Fearful Jesuit with his weird fucking Robert De Niro glasses from Casino, it's just a mess as he tries to bring the message to you. So that's why the turnaround time is so rough for this show. We're not rough. I mean, it's just, you know, look, Orson Welles told us there is no wine before it's time. That's what he said about uh, Mogan David. No, Martini and Rossi. I don't fucking know. Some wine company. We serve no wine before it's time. Orson Welles, man, that look, I'm not the first guy to explore this uh, territory, but that guy was a fucking genius. The greatest who ever lived. And then he's selling me wine and bullshit. He's on the Lucy show for fuck's sake. Look, I understand Lucy was something to some of you people, but dudes, no, I, I'll tell you what, if Lucy shows up here, she's going to do that. Ah, Mike, and I'm going to throw her in a fucking ravine. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's funny, as I told another writer that story, I was telling him about the guy with the, the loud brassiness and the pissing in the car. And I, and I said, it was a woman in the car and she was fun. We were listening. And I said to her, I, I said, I leaned over and I told this guy, Hey man, I'm going to throw, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw him in a fucking ravine. And, and I look and I go language. I'm sorry. She goes, no, I get it. She goes, but that is vivid language. She goes, I think it would stop me. I'm like, yeah, probably. Uh, you know, but it just, it just so happened that I was around a bunch of ravines at the time. See, that's probably a better threat in the city. If somebody's giving you a hard time in the middle of fucking Cleveland and you're like, listen to me, if you keep fucking with me, I'm going to throw you into a fucking ravine because that's a whole project. That's an afternoon. That's not just you clunking him on the head and then toss him into the nearest ravine. I mean, you got to get a burlap sack. You got to fucking throw him in a trunk. There's a butt. You, if you threaten a guy in the country with throwing him in a ravine, that's what I did. And it's, you know, that's so what they're just like, uh, yeah, so what make your, make your move chief. But if you do it in a city, they know you mean business. <laughs> I got to wait. That's a threat I got to use in the city. Anyway, Fearful Jesuit does his podcast. It's called, uh, what did I say it's called? It's called uh, The Paranoid Strain. It's fantastic. He does great stuff. The 9-11 show is still up now. And I know he has plans for uh, a second 9-11 show, but he's doing another one before that. But as I've mentioned, the monks are busy tapping out the scripts on grains of rice, and he's got to get that all together. But once he does, it'll be there. But here's the thing. Go listen to the back catalog. I'm sure there's one you haven't heard. Or still go listen to the 9-11 one because it's worth multiple listens. And then leave a review in the iTunes store mentioning us, telling him that uh, you, you came there because of us. You love the show. You love us. You love everybody. And uh, or send him a private email. Send him a note and just go, hey, you know what? Here's the thing. We love your show. Mike Schmidt sent us and we love his show, too. This is great, isn't it? And we'll all rejoice. And then we'll all get together at the Monk Compound. And, you know, here's the thing. Uh, once he does the show because no shoes, two shows are ever alike. Once he finishes the show, they boil that rice and they eat it at the compound. They, they eat every script. They eat a monk. Maybe we can be invited to that meal. Maybe we can go to a fancy monk meal and eat a bunch of fucking typed on scripts uh, or typed on rice, I should say. Uh, is that enough silliness about them? I think it probably is. All right. So please go ahead and check out the Paranoid Strain podcast. It's the best. Uh, if you're bruising Facebook, not bruising, perusing, my mouth got all fucked up there at this uh, last second. Go to Facebook and look for our good friend, uh, Paul Pepper. He's got his page there where he's like, hey, man, go check out my truck. It's the Dark Knight First Responder truck page on Facebook. Like that page, please, so he knows that we're telling you to do so. And then, uh, and again, the truck, like I said, it's a remarkable achievement. It honors first responders. Uh, all of the people who tried to, to save lives and did the best that they could at 9-11. A lot of 9-11 talk here in the plugs. <laughs> Anybody touched by tragedy wants to support this show, and I appreciate it. Um, so Paul's got the truck. It's, it's the Dark Knight First Responder truck. Go like his Facebook page. Go like his Instagram. Uh, oh, and also, uh, I forgot to tell you this, the, the YouTube channel uh, that, that Gio wants you to check out is called The Love Between the Two Hosts YouTube channel. Uh, 
So while you're online, you're doing all this cool stuff. You're liking Paul Pepper's Dark Knight First Responder Truck Facebook page, looking for his Instagram. Uh, while you're out there looking for stuff, look for the Love Between the Two Hosts YouTube channel for Geo and give that a like. Give that a subscription. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that sort of thing? Um, so there's free yeah, Jesuit and then uh, what, what else is I going to tell you guys? Oh, you know, there's the Cameo app. You guys know about that, right? You can download the Cameo app, put it on your phone, and then get me to tell somebody about rice. That's that's the thing. If you want me to tell that whole fucking yarn I just spun out about monks tapping scripts on rice to someone you're related to or someone you know, then hire me through the Cameo app, damn it. I'm good at that. I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Uh, I'm good at Cameo. So, uh, so please do that. Uh, we've got the Cameo page there that is, uh, or the Cameo app that is lurking for that cool thing. Uh, let me just talk about this. Folks. As I yawn like a dick, folks, there's a uh, there's a thing called Patreon. Are you aware of that? I think you probably are. There's a Patreon page that supports this show. You guys can step up and become a patron right now. Go to patreon.com, and I'm, uh, I believe I'm Mike40YOB on there as well. Just Google Mike Schmidt Patreon. It's going to come up because I'm sure the baseball player isn't trying to kickstart anything in his life. Um, but please check out that Patreon page there. It's it's uh, Well, yeah, actually, you know, I'll tell you about Patreon at the end because I want to I talk about people who donated. So let's real quick, let's talk about MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Uh, you can go there and check out the website and go to the Joe Business page. There's stuff on sale there, a lot of different things, uh, still available live stuff and downloads. Uh, but the Amazon link is the most important thing on that page. If you go to the Joe Business page, there's the, the Amazon link. Click on that. Go there and shop. It tells them you came through our portal. Don't you want to come through my portal, folks? We get money, they get money, you get stuff. It works out perfectly. It's a fantastic arrangement between us and you and Amazon and Bezos. Uh, we get money, they get money, you get stuff. I cannot think of a more symmetrical triangle than that, folks. So please go to the Joe Business page on MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Click through the Amazon link and do all of your pertinent shopping there and reward this show if you would. I mentioned that we've got our you know Facebook stuff. You're going to be on there looking for Paul's uh, Dark Knight First Responder truck. You know, while you're there, why don't you join the Little Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade page? Now, I know you're thinking to yourself, well, Mike, you haven't been there in a while. You're, that's true. But I will be posting today, Thursday, some stuff from this week's rebirth workouts. That's right. How about who wants to see a photo of a sweaty me? Better yet, who wants to see two photos of a sweaty me, one of them including my trainer? I think it's you. So I'm going to give a report about rebirth and things like that. But why don't you join Little Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade and, uh, and start working out hardcore, man. Start taking off the weight, doing the best things you can, like our friend Matthew Hebert or Hybert, uh, like our friend Brian. Like everybody else who goes ahead and joins and Scott and everybody else who's working out and doing good things. Please join the Little Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade page. I'm going to be active on there more starting today, he said surreptitiously. Anyway, I think I say that in every show, he said surreptitiously. That's a, that's a crutch of mine. Um, but I said it and I meant it. So go join the Little Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade on Facebook, please. And let's all start lifting weights and looking good. Why not, right? Why not? We're all going to die soon. That seems aggressive. Uh, you know, I'm going to be in Toronto. Two weeks from today, uh, well, two, two weeks from this week, I should say, I get there September 17th. I'm there through September 22nd. There's a show September 21st at the uh, Steve's Music Store Lounge in Toronto. Uh, I'll get the address for you next week. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's available. But we're all going to be upstairs, and I think I'm going to stream the show. I'm going to do my best to try and stream that show to you guys. Um Via YouTube. That's my plan. I'm going to get there that week and I'll keep you guys abreast, but I'm going to go to the lounge and see what the Wi-Fi is like and then see where I can put a camera or the laptop. Uh, you know, I won't be talking directly into the screen like I, I, I do on most of my chats, but uh, it'll be a way to bring you guys the live experience via YouTube 
And, uh, and like I said, you know, when there's no tickets on sale for Toronto, it's going to be a pass the hat type of deal. If you guys want to support, that's great. And also if you guys are watching the YouTube stream and you want to support, that'll be cool too. Cause it's like in lieu of a ticket sale, that's why I'm, I'm opening it up to the whole world, the whole internet. They can watch me stream from Toronto at Steve's music store lounge, uh, September 21st. That's a Friday night. And uh, next week, which is coming up now, I, I'll tell you what, what is today? Today's this, uh, well, it's Tuesday, the, is it the 4th? I don't know, I can't think off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I think it's the 4th. But anyway, so I next week, you know, it, well, yeah, it's the 4th because then a week was the 11th and the Bears season starts on the 9th. Oh, and the Bears got Khalil Mack. Holy fuck, are they going to be great? I'm so excited for the Bears this weekend. Um, but I'll stream next week. And I will stream on Monday. Let's do Monday again. Why not? That's even though Max is going to yell at me because I told him Monday wore me out for the podcast last time. But I think it's the way to go. Monday seems like the move. So let's go. Uh, or, or no, should I do it Wednesday? No, because Thursday I got poker. What a weirdo. What a fucking weirdo, man. Uh, let's do it Monday. So today, like I said, is the 4th. So the 10th, September 10th, same time, 6 o'clock p.m., 6 o'clock Pacific. 8 o'clock Chicago time, 9 o'clock in the East, 7 o'clock Mountain, 4 o'clock in Hawaii, and then whatever other time it is all over the goddamn world that everybody else is joining us in. That'll be Monday, uh, September, what's today? Like I said, it's the uh, it's the 10th. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I was literally going to change it to Tuesday. And I'm like, dude, that week from today is like September 11th. We ever had, we've had enough September 11th here in the plugs. I don't need to stream live on September 11th either. That would just be fucking creepy and strange. What if I did, what if I did a conspiracy show on September 11th? Oh, uh, dude, here I've got some jet fuel. Let's try to melt some steel beams. Uh, so please, that'll be next Monday. This uh, September 10th, I'll be streaming live on YouTube at six o'clock in the evening, California time, eight o'clock Chicago time, nine o'clock New York time, seven o'clock Denver time, four o'clock Honolulu time. And uh, I'll post stuff on Facebook and Twitter and I'll let you know that I'm going to be streaming and all that stuff. So we can all get together next Monday and have a chat. That'll be fun, right? Right. And perhaps we'll be at a boy fit brigading together. Maybe I'll just do some curls. Maybe I'll just fucking turn it on and do some curls. Yeah. Uh, so again, Toronto cameo, a disco, a Denny Terrio, uh, and on oh, our YouTube channel, please. Like I said, I'm streaming on YouTube, but go subscribe to YouTube because then when I set up a stream, you will know that it's coming. You get a reminder and folks, don't you want a reminder for me? Don't you want me dinging into your life every fucking five minutes to tell you I'm doing something? God damn it. Don't you want to have me on board? I need to be on deck for every fucking second of your life. Uh, subscribe to me at the YouTube channel, please. And then you'll know when streams are coming. You'll know when we post anything and, uh, and, and I got plans to post more and more going forward, folks, 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 let's talk about Patreon folks. Let's do that right now. Patreon, uh, is a page that you can support as a patron. And I mentioned last week, we put a new, we put a new thing up there last week. Uh, David Hernandez, the, the music genius who does this show, he did a, an album called the beige album which was his, uh, it's kind of a Beatles tribute album. He did some covers. He did some reworks of some, of some songs via the Beatles. And, uh, last week, you know, I did play, uh, Helter Skelter, his version of Helter Skelter. And then I sold you the rest of the album available. If you subscribe to Patreon for anybody, $3 and up subscribers. And, uh, and so I've put that album. It's up there. Now people who've subscribed have already gotten it. And also I'm going to thank some people who went ahead and jumped on board this week and I'm assuming it was in order to get Mex's work. And I don't blame you. Dave Fogerson, thank you for jumping on to Patreon this week. And uh, Chris F. 
I don't, I don't know if Chris wants me to say his last name, but I, I'll say it anyway. Chris Federowitz. I believe that's Chris's last name. Yes, Federowitz. Let's double check because I actually wrote down Chris F because I was just going to be a nice guy and not say his name. And then, of course, I fucking spill the beans here on his full name. Uh, but Chris Federowitz is now sponsoring the show. And I'll tell you what, that dude has been supporting. He's been supporting through PayPal for the longest time. And now he finally switched over to Patreon. And I'm glad that he did. Thank you, Christopher Derowitz. You're the best. Uh, Kevin Davis stepped up and made a donation. He is now a patron of Patreon. Thank you, Kevin Davis and uh, Chris Federowitz, Dave Fogerson, our great friend, Jake Iverson, who's also been here since the beginning. Jake Iverson has been involved in the, uh, in the Joker's page. He's been a fan of this show. He's commented. He's, he's, he, he sent me a very nice thing. Uh, God, a million years ago. I don't remember what, it, I can't remember exactly when it was, you know, it might've been around almost. I remember he sent me a note telling me that, uh, that he could always depend on me being there on Thursdays and that's 2013. Here we are five years later. I've been a part of that guy's Thursdays fucking forever. How great is that? So Chris and Kevin, uh, Dave and Jake, thank you so much for stepping up. And I also want to say our friend, uh, Seth, Seth Brazil, Brazil or Brazil. I never want to, I don't want to screw that name up, but I probably did. Uh, Seth and Tracy are fantastic and they donate to the show. And of course they have a little Harper who's also involved. Seth boosted up. He's a, he's been a supporter for a long time, but he boosted up his amount, his monthly amount. He kicked in uh, some extra and that's the coolest. Seth, thank you so much for stepping up and doing that sort of thing. Uh, with Dufresne, the Boston Terrier who scoots his balls around the rug, sends me videos of him. Thank you so much, Seth, for that. So Chris, Kevin, Seth, uh, Tracy, Dave, Jake, thank you. Everybody who has stepped up on Patreon, uh, go ahead and collect your, your album from David, more things coming, some videos, possibly, possibly there's some Patreon exclusive streams. We've got ideas and we're going to implement them and we're going to make that happen. And because I'll tell you what, it's a crapshoot when you get on the internet, it's the wild west. Cause you get these things that are like Patreon and you go, ah, I'm not getting my bang for the buck. And then you get people who are doing stuff like uh, Kickstarter or GoFundMe, and then you're wondering whether people are getting the right money. And I want to talk about this really quick. Folks, I don't know if you saw this story. There's a homeless person in Pennsylvania. Now, he's minding his own business, growing his beard. And some, uh, you know, half a decent looking blonde shows up and she's like, boohoo, I'm scared. My gas has run out and I'm in a bad part of town and there's homeless. I'm scared. And a homeless dude shows up and he's like, dude, I got 20 bucks. Like, I'll give you my last 20 bucks to go ahead and fix your car, whatever we got to do and get some gas. So she could have let it die there. She could have given back his 20 bucks, gone to an ATM, whatever. But no, she goes, you know what? The world is a fantastic place. The world is a hungry place. So I'm going to throw this out on the internet. I'm going to go to find a GoFundMe page and I'm going to set it up for homeless Joe. That's what I'm going to do for this, this layabout, this, this ditch sleeping beardo. I'm going to get him some fucking cash via the internet from a bunch of strangers. That's how I'm going to handle my business. So she puts up a photo of herself, a selfie of herself with this fucking homeless guy. And she's like, he's the kindest man alive. He went ahead and gave me $20 and I'm so happy. And I want to, so they wanted to raise $10,000 for this guy to make sure that he doesn't live a life of squalor. Now, we can argue whether or not $10,000 is life-changing, but at the same time, if you're sleeping in your own filth by the side of the road, I got to think $10 would be a, a, a worthy gift. Although pay back to 20 as well, so 30. Uh, but if you get a guy 10 grand, now that's, that's a good start. Maybe if he gets a handle on himself and he does some things, then that's, you know, $10,000. Somebody hands you 10 grand, you can do some good things for yourself. We know this. However, uh, this Kickstarter, this GoFundMe, whatever the fuck it was, it goes crazy viral. Not like last week when I went fractionally viral with my thumbs. 
This goes off the charts viral. This is getting passed around because, you know, America loves stories where white girls get saved. That's that's how they handle their business. If a white girl's getting rescued, any damsel in distress, any Rapunzel motherfucker who throws her goddamn hair out of the tower, they're going to send her cash, whether it's for a fucking pair of scissors to trim that hair or for a homeless dude to trim his fucking weird beard. She's going to get the cash. So... She puts out the GoFundMe. She's like, hi, I'm uh, semi-good looking and I was in trouble. I was in despair. I was a damsel in distress. And then, oh my Lord, this man crawled out of an old wild turkey bottle and saved me. Can we give him some money? And the internet responds because as I've said, they like nothing more than a white girl being saved. So they step up. And, uh, you know, $10,000 sounds like a pretty good amount. But what if I told you we could give the homeless guy $15,000? Yeah, that's even better, right? What if I told you we could give the homeless guy $20,000? What if I told you we could give the homeless guy $50,000? Would you stop there? Or would you think to yourself, no, we can do better if this goes nationally, if this goes internationally, if this goes global? Well, I think it did, folks. And I say 50000 What I meant to say was 80000 Did I say 80000 I meant to say 100000 Hold on a second. Did I say $100,000? That seems odd that you give a homeless guy $100,000 just because he smiled at a fucking blonde chick and gave her a fucking Alexander Hamilton. Is our Andrew Jackson. We don't give her Hamilton. He shot her. He Aaron Burner. He shot her right there on the street and we gave him all this money. No, man. He gave her an Andrew Jackson. And so the world went, hey, let's give him $150,000. Wait a minute. Did you say $150,000? I'll see that and I'll raise you up to $200,000. Well, you know, if $200,000 sounds like a homeless guy's reward, I, why don't hear, you know what I'm going to say as a, as a nation, as a, as a collective hive mind of the internet, here's what I plan on doing. $200,000? Pshaw, I say. Why don't we fucking double it? So they raised $400,000 for this homeless dude. 400 grand because the world is a kind place and they see a story. And as I've said, they like, Hey, you know, you rescue a white girl. You're going to come into the fucking ducats. So, uh, so they raise the money and, uh, you know, and, uh, as, as I'm sure you understand, they just live happily ever after. Nothing bad happens at that point. You've got two strangers and they ask the world for ten grand, and they get 400000 to bail out a homeless guy. I'm sure you know nothing bad could possibly happen. This is a great story, right? Everybody loves it. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let me ask you this. Am I telling this story if it has a good ending? So it turns out that the homeless dude, uh, you know, this happens like six months ago. And now the homeless dude is kind of like, hey, uh, 400 grand, that's pretty cool. Um, you think I could have some of that money? And uh, the the rescued white girl and her horrible looking boyfriend, he he just looks like, uh, uh, you know what? If you if you could make a wife beater tank top into a guy, it looks like her boyfriend. That's I mean, just with a sauce stain on it. I mean, he just you know who he looks like if if a wife beater tank top fucked a tin of skull, <laughs> you would get this guy. Because he lives in the hinterlands of fucking Pennsylvania, and he sees all this money rolling in for homeless Joe, and he goes, you know what? We have a casino nearby. We should go check that out, right? So it turns out they uh, 
They go to the casino, and this is their story. Well, you know, we uh, one night we forgot our card at the casino. So, yes, we borrowed $500 from the GoFundMe. But then we won, and we paid him back right away. And the homeless guy's like, great, can I get some of that $400,000? You know what? Even if you spend five hundred, that's probably cool. Can I get $399,500, please? That would be great. And they're just like, well, you know, here's the thing, man. You're a drug addict, and uh, we don't know if we can trust you with this money. And then he goes, hey, hold on a second. That's great. Uh, I trusted you with my last fucking $20, you cunts. And they went, yeah, but we think we know what's best for you because we're white. And also, and the homeless guy's white, too. I'm not making this completely about race, but they're just, but who who makes that decision? Young, stupid idiots. So they go, yeah, we're just going to hold on to your money. And so then they, so I guess I get bits and pieces. They get them an old secondhand camper and then they get them a shack on their property to live in. And they're like, yeah, man, that stuff costs 75 grand. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know where you're buying these. I don't know what shacks are us you visited, uh, but 75 grand for a shack and a camper. That seems a little high and also not your fucking money. You shouldn't be buying shacks and campers for homeless Jim. You should be fucking handing him the keys to the kingdom. Give him the checkbook. Let him unlock it and take his money so he can, you know what? Here's what he would probably do. He might be able to stuff it into a sleeping bag and sleep on a comfortable thing rather than the ground. You ever try to sleep on 400 grand stuffed into a sleeping bag? Oh, it's a delight. Especially knowing that if you wanted to, you could reach in and grab a handful of that money and sleep in the Hilton for six fucking months. But uh, homeless guy asks for the money. They don't give it to him. And then the press gets involved. And then they ask the boyfriend. And he goes, well, this guy's a drug addict. We've got to save him from himself. And they're like, what do you mean he's a drug addict? Then it turns out, oh, uh, we bought a new BMW. And we went on a trip to Vegas. And we went on a trip to Miami. And everybody goes, well, are you spending his money? They're like, no, man, this is totally our money. They're like, really? You bought a brand new BMW? took three luxury vacations? And uh, and you haven't touched the GoFundMe money at all? Of course not. Well, then why don't you give him the GoFundMe money? Because he's a drug addict. He can't be trusted but we can trust you guys. Of course you can trust us. We're white. So, uh, the homeless guy asks a few more times for his money. And then finally he gets a lawyer. And then the press, as I mentioned, starts asking questions. And the boyfriend says, that guy's a drug addict, man. I'm not giving him this fucking money. And they're like, wait a minute. Now you're, now you're saying you're not giving him the money. He goes, no, he goes, I'll parcel it out. He goes, I can't trust that guy. He's a drug addict. He's going to killing himself. You know what? I'll, I'll put it in the yard and I'll set it on fucking fire before I give it to that guy which definitely seems to be not in the spirit of giving that was initially intended when you started the page. And I can tell you this, anybody who gave one fucking dime to that account certainly didn't think to themselves, well, I can only hope that this fucking mouthy ketchup bottle sets fire to the money in the yard at some point and doesn't take care of the guy we all wanted to help. Uh, So, folks, what happens as I read it is the... Homeless guy gets a pro bono lawyer and he gets a forensic accountant. And uh, the the couple is like, all right, yeah, we'll totally let you do a forensic accounting of this money. That's fine. We've got it right here. They're like, all right, well, then we're going to do it. And they're like, fine, do it. And like, we're coming over tomorrow. Okay, fine. Well, we can't wait till you do it. And uh, there's some back and forth and there's some lobbying of, of, of uh, you know, fucking subpoenas and paperwork and bullshit. And then I just see the headline, uh, lawyer for homeless beard guy says all money gone. That's probably a very bad headline. It was something like that. But the point is, uh, there's not a dime left. This happened like seven months ago. 
You spent $400,000 in seven fucking months? How, How many illicit threesomes did you hire sex workers for? How many... Just I seriously, just check the security because he's he's like yeah I don't know where you know because they haven't given any comments. His his last comment was I'm going to burn this fucking money rather than give it to him and they were like all right send your accountant over and then all I've heard is from the homeless guy's lawyer saying that there's no fucking money left and 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 all you got to do is check the fucking surveillance camera footage from the casino because I guarantee you this fucking dude went once he might have gone once and borrowed the five hundred and then he might have won that night he might have told the truth. He won that night and he put the 500 back in and then he thought to himself, well, you know what? That was fucking easy. And so the next night he took a thousand out and he goes, I'll just pay it back when I get my winnings. Then he lost a thousand. He goes, well, I'll take 2000 now. Because when I saw this happen with my wife, we went to the casino once and she won big in Vegas. She kept winning and winning and winning. Then we got on the fucking gambling boat and she was down fucking 500 bucks before we left the dock because she just assumed that, oh, yeah, the odds are with me. I'll just keep putting money in and I'll win every fifth or sixth pull. No, man, no. So I'm betting this motherfucker went to the casino and just kept taking money and getting, you know, betting more and more and six grand and eight grand and 10 grand and doing whatever he could to fucking try to get back and get back and get back. And he fucked it all away. And I haven't heard one quote from him or one quote from the girlfriend. Cause again, this now became about the boyfriend. Like the girlfriend is off the hook, even though she was the one who started the whole fucking thing. She was the one who broke down in the first fucking place and took the guy, dude, did they even give the guy his 20 bucks back? That's what I want to fucking know. I hear this story. I I was sick. I mean, I was literally sick to my stomach when I saw the headline that said no money left. I'm like, you motherfuckers. Like it shouldn't even be because they're going to get a fraud charge and they're just going to, they're probably going to do like six months. They're going to go on some work farm. But do you know what they could have done for that man? Do you know what they could have done for his life? I got news for you. Even if he takes that 400 grand and he spends it on a diamond-encrusted gold needle with the most powerful heroin shot in the world to ride to fucking Valhalla, it's better than what you did with the fucking money, you whores. How dare you, man? How dare you try to pretend that you're fucking looking out for that guy? You spend that money, you don't give it to him, and now his life could have been changed. He's still on the street. And it's that thing where people will be like, well, you know, he didn't really know because he didn't get the money. So it's it's not like he ever left the street. You know, it'd be harder if he lost it. No, he lost it, man. The world tried to rescue somebody. And two people decided that the world was wrong. We have to do something to those people. And I, I mean, look, you know, I know it seems ridiculous, but isn't there some sort of like Game of Thrones fucking feces throwing shame gong walk we can put those people through and and let's put it this way not just once they should need to do that shame walk through every city where any donor who ever gave one dollar to that fucking campaign lives i mean they can fly to to, to fucking europe they can fly at everywhere and they got to get off the plane and just get shit thrown at them and get shame chanted in their goddamn face you terrible people you fucking monsters how dare you toy with a man's existence and you pretend that you're going to save him and then you fuck him over worse than before. And what did you do? For what? You just gave it away. I feel like Marge Lundegaard in fucking in Fargo when she's like, don't you know there's something in life a little more than money? You started out with a good thing and you had the whole world rooting for you, rooting for him. He fucking gave you his last $20 and you bent him over with it. You wrapped it up and you shoved it up his ass.
Fuck you, Schmitty. You don't come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick. Heck, 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 heck.